But I also think that, that if they can get on a streak and if the Blues can dip at the right time, they can really scare the Blues. Maybe may make them a little nervous, make them a little bit less effective. Uh, not saying that they're going to be able to make up three, make that. up make up six eight points and jump higher uh, up in the rankings, but I think that they can unsettle some teams, uh, maybe a little bit with their performance and with, with their threatening kind of to break into a top three. If nothing else, maybe it forced the St. Louis Blues into making a deadline move, or make, maybe forces a team to make an extra deadline I move. I, I, they don't, don't have a ton of time. Yeah, to I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if that's going to do it now because they don't play again until tomorrow's trade deadline. So maybe they put the fear of God into them with what they played there and to make Armstrong do kind of like a panic move. But I don't think that one game is going to dictate uh, what the Blues do. No, the Blues had a pretty dominant showing today in Carolina, so they nearly yeah. outshot them two to one. Again, it yeah, is a no, Carolina so Hurricanes team that traded their captain moments before <laughs> the, yeah. game, the game yeah, they, started. The should just send uh, Tony Potato to go stand outside the Scott Trade Center with oh, a cigarette. The, and just hey, Tony Tubitz, what do you need to not, do? Not even, not even, he just needs to stand there in the street light. Dimitri with a Yaskin is going to run to Illinois the moment he sees him because poor Yaskin got blown up by Potato like two or three times. <laughs> To a show that's uh, performing better in the month of month of March than the rest of the year. Have you guys seen the numbers from like the month com- of this of March and February compared to the rest of the season? I mean, just just even look at the numbers for the past twenty five games. Yeah, this is the broadcast brought to you by onthefourcheck dot com, Lions Own Internet Marketing Solutions. He's Christopher Link. He's Jonathan Garcia. I'm Daniel Bradley. Gentlemen, what's up? How was your week, Daniel Bradley? Mm. Yeah, well, I called you Christopher and I called you Jonathan. No, well it's very formal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little thrown off. I don't know what to. I don't what think to I'm do with myself dressed anymore. right now. You want to borrow one of my button-up shirt from upstairs, John? Not really. Okay. He, I gotta yeah. say, out of like everybody that was in the media contention at the All Star game, he was probably dressed better than all of us. I can see that. I try. I can see having him having some style. Except he's got, for he's got the V-neck T-shirt. Except for Sunday. Sunday, Martell showed up with a vest and jeans. And it was awesome. Oh. He did. He did. He was dressed to the nines. That man. Yeah. He was ready to go. Can't do the vest and jeans. Vingen had a good little, like, you know, he looked like he was one of, like, the Swedes that were there for the, to actually play in the game. He had, like, the tight jeans going on. He always has the tight jeans going on. I, from what I understand, he's known for that across the hockey community. It's true. I mean, I could see it. I mean, not quite Eric Carlson tight, but pretty tight. Yeah, those things were, like, you could see the veins in his legs. <laughs> I think those. No, I think that was just actually texturing on the <laughs> pants themselves. They had like an extra panel in them. Uh, how was your weekend? Uh, I had a very, very busy. Let's weekend. talk about Saturday morning, if you don't mind. Talk about Saturday morning. Yeah, did you go down to Harp yeah, and Fiddle? Or? I was at Harp and Fiddle. Okay, um, it was obviously very packed. Uh, I was both paying attention and distracted. I was there with a two-year-old, uh, who actually had a great time. She liked. She liked the loud people. So that was pretty good. Two-year-olds feel like they can be pretty loud as well. Like if people around them are loud, 
Yeah, well, she doesn't know any, any of the songs yet. This was her first time coming up to up to visit me, um, so she'll learn the songs. But no, it was, I it was one of those as always very emotional, especially when you lose a game when you got, or not losing a game, draw a game when you're a man up. It, that was that was a little bit painful, but it's North London Derby. Tottenham is supposed to lose that, and granted, still behind us in the standings. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there there are far more disappointing soccer clubs uh, in in England over this past week. Oh yeah, I mean, you've got Everton. Yeah, those those guys. Let me tell you. Yeah, um, I always love uh, like people who are like, oh yeah, I, I started following Everton because of Tim Howard. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, because one, everyone knows he's going to leave in a couple. In, he's already in the process of he's, leaving. He's gonna yeah, he's going to leave like any day, and two, oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, there's we, nothing else to cheer for. I mean, Lukaku is Lukaku tries a so hard. Lukaku's a monster, but I've I've never seen a team go up two goals despite being down a man and blow a lead. I mean, what's the deal with with uh, Roberto Martinez? I mean, he's supposed doesn't play to be defense. Like, he doesn't play defense. He like no, we 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 only play one way, and that's forward onward. We're gonna he's supposed, he's supposed to be like a great coach, and everyone wanted him, and now he's sort of struggling he's with a Everton. Very good coach. I just don't think that uh, he quite. Uh, grasp the concept of a holding midfield. Yeah, and well, that's kind of important. It is important. But other yeah. than that, it was a uh, normal weekend. Of course, MLS kicked off today. Uh, it's Sunday. MLS kicked off. I got to see the Union absolutely got there and embarrassed themselves, like I was expecting them to. That's they were great, totally man. dreadful. Uh, I mean, when you, when your team's stretch goal is to make the playoffs, you know it's going to be a long season, especially since the last two seasons the stretch goals were to make the playoffs. How long is an MLS season? <laughs> forever no they'll, they'll rope up in uh october okay yeah because i have i have like triple teams i watch in like march and towards it you, you know what's crazy actually i was thinking like didn't they just uh weren't they just playing a couple of weeks ago but no it wasn't it was the last game of the season like when we started doing the podcast at the very yeah beginning. there's a little bit over time is going very fast time is going very fast this season where'd it go oh john did you ever go to any DC United games at RFK or? Uh, I did? did, but I I was so young that I I barely remember them. Hmm. So, but yeah, I, I've been to RFK a couple of times, and most of the of what I remember from RFK was from when the Nationals first got in there, um, and it was just as much of a dump back then as it is now. Except when you went there previously, you didn't have the dangers of things falling on you like you do now. Oh. Time has not been kind they have to good RFK. Teams, they have good teams. DC yeah. United is a good they team. Have. Yeah, everyone always forget. You know, people always you know cut hairs and uh, you know rabble rabble about how uh, unsuccessful DC fan, like sports is. You know, with the uh, the football team, the baseball yeah. team, the hockey team, and everything like that. And it's like, well, you have DC United who has won so many championships yeah, one of the over the last decorated teams yeah. in, in, in U.S. soccer history. Yeah, and then the Redskins won several titles. Or pardon. Washington football team have won several titles, you know, in the 80s and 90s. I was three years old the last time that they won a championship, so Speaking to date of, people out there. See, there were there were several, um, I think there were MPs over in, in England actually protested that Washington was going to come over and play and said, send some send a team with a different name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we won't tolerate this, which is nice because there's this weird tendency in Europe for teams just to use Native American agnostic Hi, names. Like yeah, Frontlandia is one of my main <laughs> targets, but there's there's other ones. Um, I, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. It's like a team called Gents or something like that, G E N T S, uh, who also they do they're always they're actually kind of worse. Uh, and I'm just like guys, I mean, at least the only team that I even really have a pass on the Minnesota Vikings because everyone knows that if there's horns in the Viking helmet, it's kind of a joke. And that's how it is in Sweden and Norway and and 
in uh, the other Nordic countries that the horned means a joke. Mm. But every time I see Ferlinda go on the ice, and they're in the Swedish Hockey League, if you're not familiar, uh, I just cringe because they give the worst explanations. They even had like pictures of Henrik Lundqvist in war paint. Oh, that was horrible. <laughs> but they have, they they have said in, and I'm going to I'm definitely cutting this back and, and paraphrasing this. They basically, they basically said we really don't care. Like people, you know, Native wow. Americans have protested, mm-hmm. and they've said, "Oh, we really, we just they, we, we don't care. Mm. We're honoring you. Just go away." That's <laughs> really okay. the, yeah. the response. Like, that's right. We, it's like, we're not bound by your law. Like we don't care, which I think is a terrible way to look at. And the fans don't even like the branding. I mean, no one likes the branding. I don't. Sorry, it's a red button top. No, no, I, you're. I really. I, it, it I'm the one who brought up Frolandi. I, I knew it. I, I opened that door. That's that's <laughs> on me. John, how was your weekend? It's good, man. Uh, I met with a uh, buddy of mine on Friday that's uh, having a kid like any day now. It's like one of my, uh, the the first friend of mine that I've known for a long time that's ha- like actually planning on having a kid. And so he's... People uh still do that? Yeah, I know, right? Wow. Um, so yeah, he. Uh, so we hadn't uh, hung out in a little bit and this is probably going to be the last time. So we went to Smoke and Ale over in Nipper's Corner if you've ever been there, uh, which is great, like, you know, beer uh, on tap and cigar shop type of thing. We just sat down there and chatted for a couple hours and then saturday was i didn't get off the couch but like four or five times and then today was an adventure because i went to both whole foods and trader joe's in green hills on a sunday afternoon and i'm still alive i've still never been to a trader joe's never been the in parking one. lots always suck yeah matter, you can have a trader joe's out in the middle of like uh like absaroka county which is fictional wyoming and the parking lot will still well, suck from what i understand from what i see them they always seem to be in like strip mall type setups with little tiny parking lots mm-hmm. rather than like a grocery store setup yeah it's it's it was horrible there's so, so the one in green hills is right next to like a mattress store yeah i've driven past that i don't know how anyone how more. the mattress store gets any business because there's just well, no room be, for people to sit It's by their there. timely discounts and wonderful sales. I mean, they're going out of business sales are legendary. Yeah. And yeah, so. there's also Two Buck Chuck, which is, I don't believe is going to be coming through Tennessee because they have to send it through uh, like a Tennessee-based distributor. I don't know what you, that is. The Trader Joe's wine? Oh. It's I, like I, once again, I've never been to Trader Joe's. Legendary, so. It's like a legendary cheap wine that's essentially Frank Francia, the guy behind Francia Wine, passed along the, the uh, filtering... Uh, to Trader Joe's and it's it's ridiculously cheap and almost not terrible. Yeah, but I got some uh, some nice coffee from there that I ground up and drank a cup before I got over here. So that's what's gonna you know bring we're getting me a through. Sprouts in Bellevue, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they actually bulldozed the Bellevue Center Mall, which lasted less than thirty years. Really, and that yeah, mall gonna, is finally getting knocked it's down. Done. Well, my my favorite construction project that my dad ever worked on is now a pile of rubble. Wow. Yeah, no, I I am not in Bellevue very often um, anymore. Come. Well, I I I, well, I come out because my mom lived uh, in Bellevue for for while she was going to school, and then I was out in that area to go to the Best Buy because they had a, a, picking up a TV. Yeah, that's Nashville West. Yeah, I mean it, it's not, it's mm-hmm. almost in Bellevue. Gotcha. It's the ex. It's like the exit before Bellevue. Yeah, or ex- two exits. Yeah, two ex. Yeah, two exits. Two exits. exits. Yeah, two X's for old for old Bellevue, and then there's 199, which is like the gateway to Bellevue. For those people who are not local to Nashville, so they're like, this part is so confusing. I was, um, I drive, I do commute from Bellevue to come over here to record this, and um, every time I drive through here, I, which I we always do this on Sundays or Mondays. Every time I drive through the middle of downtown, it's like I find a new building that's being built, and um, I was thinking about this the last time my dad was up here. Is my dad was in construction when I was really young. 
and uh, he could tell you like where when all these buildings were built. Like he worked on the Union Station when that was being renovated back in the early '90s. Uh, his company did some stuff building Bridgestone Arena, but he he was involved with little projects like recording studios, hospitals, and stuff all around the area. And seeing his face whenever we drove through like the Gulch area for the first time since he's been when he came back up here to visit, and it was um, it was like his <gasps> wow. We're right now we're living in a very special time here, and um, for those who who've moved in recently over the next uh, the last maybe five to ten years, you thankfully won't know what it was like before the arena was built because it was just, you did not want to go downtown period. But, um, it's really cool for me to drive in the, the route that I take and I see just, you know, like new building in Midtown or 202, uh, second Avenue, which is now like a 30 story high rise. The Weston hotels feels like it's been over the last four months has climbed 30 stories. It's, it's so much fun for me. Um, so I hope we look back when we're all old gray men at the bowling alley and look back at this as a really fun time, I'm not really sure. special I'm time. Gonna, I'm going to put my brain into a robot body and. I was thinking about like the what's the what was the villain's name from nin, from uh, Ninja Turtles? Krang. Yeah. Well, no, it's going to go in the top head part unless like the chest is more secure. I don't know. That's I think sort the of chest what would be more that's secure. That's kind of what Japanese robot things do. They put them in the, like the chest, the stomach area. Yeah, you you remember Ben in Black? The alien was right here. It wasn't up here. Yeah. It also really depends on um what kind of power source it's on because I don't wouldn't want my brain near like a, a like atomic reactor of some sort because mm. I think the radiation would be bad for me. Probably so. Let's go with that. Let's talk about hockey. Uh, really good week for Predators hockey. Most of us, we, we said that we would be okay with a 2 and one uh, for the week and that's pretty much how, what we how got. They, do, they, yeah. they must be listening yeah. finally. Yeah. We've, guess, been, we've been straight, like flat out right two weeks in a row now which mm-hmm. is basically means we're we're the best ever. We're qualified to work for Bavada. Yeah, I mean we're Vegas, Dave. I'm 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 coming for your ass right now. Uh, start off with Dallas. Uh, they go five and three, or they went went against Dallas five to three. Uh, that was a tense game. The Predators they had control of it from the outset. There was no point where I felt like that uh, the Dallas was just going to blow them out of the water. But the at the same time, these are the Dallas Stars that can hurt you in so many different ways. So it was one of those edge of your seat games that. You had a feeling the Predators were going to win, but it is Dallas. Yeah, if you're going up against a team like Dallas, the most important thing is to outscore them in goals, and, th- <laughs> and yeah, that's the most important thing. And that's the hardest part to do. Also, um, it's all is the hardest part to do because they can score a lot of goals. Yeah, they can. Um, and three is a decent number of goals, and so scoring five is really good. And now that sounds like stupid analysis, but with a team that the way and how Dallas is built, where they are a glass cannon. That's exactly what you have to go out and do is just find ways to get one more goal than they do on a given night, and they have no response. Especially because they made their defense worse by going out to get Chris Russell for whatever reason. Like, the deal that they made for that is just doesn't yeah, make sense. The conversation that must go down in, in an office room where they're like, okay, we can either get Russell or Ham Hughes. Who do you guys prefer? And everyone looks around the table and goes, we really like Russell. No, they, they actually they tried to get both. Well, I was, I was I'm trying to remember the, the report was from. It might have been on Puck Daddy where they talked about they actually preferred Russell over Ham Hughes. Oh, really? Wow. And yeah, for the price, oh. they preferred Russell. Uh, and apparently, the price was not that different. The only thing that can justify that kind of move is that if you have so many of the same kind of guy that you need a you want kind of a stay at home bruiser type. They have no type of guy. Yeah, but they exactly. I, you you look at. at at Russell, and the one reason you know he's he's got this reputation shop blocking is, is the shot blocking because yep. he's always you know Stu has loved this on the broadcast bringing up the shot block chart because Yossi's on there yeah but then there's Russell right near the top 
and you're the, so that means that the other teams can get tons and tons of shots to the point where Russell has to jump in front of every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And Yossi blocks awesome. most of his shots just by putting his stick in the way. Yeah. You know, Yossi doesn't give up the body a whole lot. He's just stays with his guy and blocks it into the oh, net. I mean, that's like the Weber style, too. They're both they're both really stick-check kind of, of players. Yeah, I mean, the whole Russell thing was was a mess, and then watching him not really be that useful is not surprising. But it was, you know, it was actually a fun game to watch. Yeah, I think we've seen uh, over the, the past two games for that, that would be a really, really fun playoff series to watch if it ever got to that point. Like, I think that'd be more fun than just about any other matchup that you can think of. Yeah, and, and I think the added bonus to that is is that Dallas, the, the fans there, I think, are the one fan base who aren't actively, for some reason, not actively against a, a rivalry with the Predators. Everyone else, like, if you talk to fans of other fan bases, they're like, no, 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 we're rivals with these guys. We don't want to be rivals with you. It's like, guy, it's not like kindergarten playground here it's like we don't have to do this you can be rivals with all sorts of people mm-hmm. but okay. dallas at least they're willing to get in and yeah. get into it and dallas is a dallas plays a fun style i'd rather see them play against dallas and say a st louis which st louis is just going to try to neanderthal you to death you know it's can i use this time to, to mention how much i dislike um rousseau who Roussel? Roussel? charles uh Roussel or Roussel? Yeah. Oh, anton Roussel. anton Roussel. yeah Roussel, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's gonna be hard to differentiate between russell and Roussel, but yeah he's Roussel. a Human excrement, that guy. That guy, I, I don't. He's like Shane Doe without the talent. That was pretty good. But how would you put him on like the Alex Burroughs scale? Alex Burroughs scale, because Alex Burroughs is the guy that I. That, I that's like the pinnacle right there. Yeah. I, I, well, I think I, I. Well, pinnacle. So I think does that mean the scale goes from Alex Burrow being most effective and a pest that's terribly annoying and a little dirty? So is he like, like, like a ten? And yeah. then on the other end is Zach Ronaldo. Who is to- who's a complete pest, but totally ineffective and a psychopath? And you have like Dustin Brown, kind of like a little bit more towards the the burst. Dust- I guess well, Dustin Brown would be like the middle, Dust- right? Dust- maybe like I don't that. Know. That would be just like maybe, pure maybe neutral. Maybe Burrows is the middle, go. and Dustin yeah. Brown is is the top. Don't, no, Doan right now has like twenty five goals. Doan's at the top. Well, right it's now. it's named the Doan scale, but Dustin Brown's <laughs> the first part of it. Um, it's but it's named in tribute to him. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I just every time he's out there, he just it just feels like he's just trying to pick a fight for no reason. Well, I mean, obviously he's trying to get. Into the heads of the national players but for the most part it's just like it's dirty crap after the whistle yeah, and it's just like just trying nuisance. to pick fights for people that do, that it doesn't make sense just for nuisance, and just one yeah. of those it's and it again he's not even effective as a player so it's not like you know your brad marchand or your milan lucic or something like that it's just some you know no talent skater just trying to stir crap and, up and his name was even fun like garbutz was was before he got traded who would you rather have on your team? As a if, say, if you're a you're a fan of Dallas, or a fan of like uh, I don't know, just any any team possible, like maybe the Caps, Flyers, Lightning, whatever. If you have a choice of having a player like a Chris Versteeg, which has a little bit, has quite a bit of talent, but you can tell when he's out there on the ice just trying to draw a penalty and he's just flopping all over the damn place. Yeah. And then you have or a guy like Roussel, where his teammates love the guy because he does stuff that no one else in the team wants to do. And he does that, and that's his game. Well, I'm a, I'm a soccer fan, so for Stieg's antics are actually fairly common versus what I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, so I'd much rather have, and plus I'm always going to pick the more talented player. Yeah, that's like, because I mean, like, uh, me personally, I hate Brad Marchand, but it's hard to argue with what he's doing on the ice right now with the crazy goal streak that he's been on and all that other stuff. And I have a feeling that as, uh, you know, and maybe Bruins fans could talk about this a little bit more because they love him. 
But like, I feel like if he were on my team, it'd be one of those things where it's yeah. like, I, I don't want to like him just because of everything that's been there, like the history there. But I'm also not going to argue with anything that he does because it works. But I mean, but then every team's got a guy to that guy like that to some degree. I mean, Andrew Shaw, Ryan Reed. Well, who would you for, for the Predators? I mean, I'd almost kind of throw out that maybe James Neal's a little bit of that guy just because yeah. the looks that he'll give you after he scores. He's and he's thankfully he has not nearly been as big of a cheap shot artist as he was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would absolutely put him in there just because he does a good job of getting pe- under yeah. people's skin. And Rivera's automatically disqualified because he just gets thrown out of games. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the opposite of what, what the, that kind of player needs to be doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need to get the other guy thrown out of the game. That's how that works. Oh, that... Um, poor Web- French Canadian. Weber's back in. Uh, Weber comes back in. 3.9 for him. Goal to assist. Um, I had that one and also had Yarncroak. Uh, Yarncroak has, has not been perfect on the top line. He's not the most productive player in the world, but once a game, he does something really cool that a coach is just going to go out of boy. And that was the uh, the tip in goal early in the game. Uh, get your thoughts on that real quick. And we'll and exclude the, the rest of the week. Uh, Yarncroak so far on the top line. Are you accepting of it or you think that whenever, if and when Jimmy VC comes in or if and when uh, uh, yeah. someone gets hot? I don't, don't think we can talk about Jimmy VC. Really, since we just, we just don't know, I think that yeah. he he would be a good option to put there. Um, I think acceptable is a very good word for Yarncroke on the top line uh, because he's not a detriment there. Um, but he also, I think that there could be an improvement over him there. Um, so where he's at right now, I don't think that there's any reason to change it with the personnel they currently have. But I think that there's ab- absolutely ways for that line to improve at some point. Yeah, with, with all of the, the talk and the kind of lame sales pitches that Poyle's been throwing out to the media lately about VZ, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious Yarncroke's just keeping the, keeping the seat warm. Think, I think it's beyond obvious. It's, it's a little like it's a little embarrassing how much Poyle is shilling for for VZ. It's actually kind of funny too. Uh, I was looking at Yarncroke's um, uh, like possession metrics and everything like that, and he's uh, much lower than uh, Neil or Johansson are, which kind of intrigues me a little are bit. Are you looking for the season, or are you looking for just just the time, just the time that they've been together? It's like uh, Neil and uh, Johansson are like fifty two score just of course four fifty three, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Yarncroke is actually a little bit below even. It's interesting. That is interesting. And I, I don't know if that has to do with a lot of, like, you know, the line juggling that has been happening because, you know, we saw in the Chicago game he was out there with Mike Fisher and things like that. So I don't know if he's getting more shifts with other people than, like, Neil and Johansson are, but just something to keep an eye on. Maybe some, maybe because he's out there at the end of the game. Because mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll get into that right now. Uh, play against New Jersey. Uh, they lose 5-4 to four in overtime. Uh, this was a classic, and this is not a hockey pun, but this is what they call a trap game. That took you guys a second, didn't it? But, no, uh, it didn't. I'm just... I'm just <laughs> yeah. one, okay, there's a couple of really depressing things about this game. One, it was the same crap in overtime we've been seeing all season. How do you watch overtime after overtime after overtime and come out and say, no, this time it will work, and then watch it not work again? If you If you know what you're watching for, and Link brought this up in detail multiple times now, the Predators look like they're playing special teams in overtime. They're, they're trying to set up by around the boards and start a, trying to start a cycle instead of just firing the puck. Yeah, you know, I thought that there was uh, one shift in particular. I think it was maybe about a minute or so before uh, the game-winning goal where they actually were moving around in the uh, offensive zone to try and create some space. But the problem was that they didn't get any shots well, off for that. Well, he, the, Yeah, well, there's the thing. is, And I know exactly the sequence you're talking about. Because they're out there trying to create space. 
such a key phrase because it's three on three. <laughs> there are six guys on there versus having ten. Mm-hmm. How do you, how much space do you need to find a path to shoot the puck at the net? You don't need to skate along the boards because that's really that's what turned into the scoring chance. Right. Is that they're on the boards, on the boards, on the boards, and they're not moving the puck very quickly. So the team can just press and try and force a turnover, which is what happens every single time. And you know you, you, the logic can get thrown out that you don't commit like that, um, like the predator, you know, offensively and throw the because you might t- give a really good, strong odd man chances the direction. And that's kind of what people have thrown away. You don't want to give away those odd man chances. Well, when you're when you've got a predator deep in the zone and an opposing player comes and is pressing hard, you know, and you've got other predators trying to position themselves to score, and the puck gets turned over, guess what ha- happens more often than not? You get an odd man scoring chance for the team going the other direction. And that's what keeps happening over and over again. And what do they do? They just shoot the puck because what's the point in holding the puck at three on three? Right. No, if you the what other team, what successful teams do on this is that even if you have a two-on-one breakaway, once the shooter has the buck, the other guy peels back and prevents the odd man rush. Mm-hmm. We don't see that in Nashville. Yeah, Again, everyone, because everyone's, because no one's skating. Everyone just wants to, to treat it like a power play. And then once the puck is missed and the other team has possession, oh, bleep, turn around 180 degrees and... Give up the odd. They're pretty better off getting into the offensive zone, pulling Pekka or whoever's in net, and just try actually trying to run it as a power play and hoping for the best. Although you do lose the extra point if you do that, if you if you uh, pull your goaltender in overtime and then they score in the empty net, you forfeit the extra point. That is crap. That is the worst rule in hockey. Look it up, man. I'm telling I know. you, that is the worst rule in hockey. I've never even seen this, and that is already the worst rule. Yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, does it? No, I love that rule. I think it would be great. If, I mean, I'd love that if someone the worst rule in hockey. I love that rule. I would love to see someone actually do that. That would be freaking Patrick Waugh territory. It's only a matter of time, Dan. Yeah. There's, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking about all the Colorado fans who still, still fully believe that Waugh is a great, great coach. Let's uh, finish up with New Jersey before we get into the shame spiral. <laughs> Oh, um, I didn't. Yeah, I totally forgot. Colorado right. was was this was the Saturday game. So, how depressing was it for when Forsberg scored with like t- less than two minutes left, and then everyone was yeah had that emotional response. He's banging against the glass and just you know like whoa, Forsberg has just turned heel, and you know we're we're all incredibly excited, and to give up just the same play again, mm-hmm. you know ricochet off Rene to the other side of the play, and yeah, so number one, number one. Should Hutton have played this game? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about having him get at least one start per week, and I think that when you've got Keith Kincaid playing, um, you know, you, you don't have Corey Schneider in that, uh, you know, special agent Keith Kincaid. You put in special agent <laughs> Carter Hutton. Sorry, Keith Kincaid is like the most like f like uh like twenty four name possible. Yeah, well, Keith Kincaid and Phoenix Copley. They are they are a future. Keith, I mean, Phoenix, pairing. Phoenix Copley sounds like the guy who's like playing the pre-show at some bad country concert, but uh, um, go on. Uh, the penalty kill had a terrible night against New Jersey. Both penalty kills did. I mean, there were only what five penalties uh, in the game, and every single one of them resulted in a power play goal. Two for uh, New Jersey, and then three for uh, Nashville. And actually, we didn't even talk about Pekka's ridiculous penalty where he tried to cover the puck in the slot. Yeah. That was pretty dumb. That was all star game, Pega dumb. <laughs> yeah, that was just. I mean, the whole game was kind of a mess. It was a trap game. You could tell the team was coming off an emotional high against uh, playing the teams that they did, and they just didn't bring it. 
I mean, they brought it for like the last, you know, like 10 minutes and they put it on cruise control in the last two minutes. So, um, but they picked up a point and that's, you know, you know I yeah. think that's decent, especially if you, the only time I say you can absolutely never afford to drop points is against Eastern conference teams or out of conference teams. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, cause it's, if you pick up a point there, it's a free point. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah it's doesn't hurt you in the standings. Nope. Doesn't help you as much, but doesn't hurt you. And then finally we get to Link's favorite subject, the Colorado avalanche game. Um, well, because you get to harp on how bad of a coach Patrick Wah is. I think we've well, already beaten that door to I mean, death. I don't think it needs to be harped upon. I just, I don't, I don't think that. I, I think every, you know people need to review the uh, annual PDO Choice Awards and move on from that. And fans need to not cling to that, especially when their team is still a mess and didn't do anything to make themselves not a mess. If he, were, if we're going to draw a comparison across other sports, Patrick Wah is probably Gene Chiswick. Gene Chizik was a guy that guard, that guided Auburn to a national title when they had Cam Newton as their quarterback. Two years later, he's fired because Jay Jacobs, the athletic director, and several other boosters knew that, all right, this guy had a really great player and a couple good players on defense at one time, and then that's all that's all there was to it. With Colorado when going to the um, going to the playoffs and winning the division a couple years ago, Simeon Varlamov was playing out of his damn mind mm. the entire season. Mm-hmm. And it's as we a lot of pundits said, not sustainable. Even though Colorado was a very young team, had a lot of good pieces around, that defense was still crap back then. Eric Johnson's your best defender. What it makes me think of is is a matter of matching up coaches and talent, how that'll works out. And I just wonder, and it, I don't mean this to be insulting in any way, but just imagine if Mike Babcock coached the Washington Capitals this season. Like, you took this incredibly talented, deep team and one of the best coaches in hockey and just merged them together. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Barry Trotz is a is a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. But you put him on a... Uh, you give him a roster just full, full of talent, and you're going to give him a really good chance to win something because he can get the things done that need to be done. Motivate he's a good, he's the, a he good can motivate motivator. people in the right way. Yeah, and, you know what? I'm, I think that... There, I mean, con- considering what Barry did with Nashville, I think that there is a argument to be made where he is a great coach and I think that there's still some time for him to cement himself that way because yes Washington's uh, roster is really deep but you look at what he's been doing so far and he just basically plunged his hand into the garbage and grabbed the team by the scruff of the neck and then ripped it out so I'm, but I, I get yeah, well, I get what you're saying well, as far as you know having having, having, having watched yeah. Trotz be out coached by teams with worst rosters in the past with some regularity there's there's a lot there's some history. I mean, because if if Barry Trotz is a great coach, then what does it say about Dave Tippett? They, they, I mean, that guy is is the one. He, I mean, that guy solved Barry Trotz five times over. Uh, well, I think that if you asked anyone, Dave Tippett's one of the most underrated coaches th- there. Like if he had yeah. had a like if he's had a great team, and I mean, he won the Stanley Cup uh, with the Stars back in what ninety nine, I think it was. As um, an assistant, that was Ken Hitchcock's uh, coach team. You're right. Um, but if you had given him a uh, better roster than what the Coyotes have had over the last, you know, 10 years almost or however long he's been coaching there now. He 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 would have been doing so much better than he's doing right now, but he makes that team competitive with what he's got. Yeah, and so I think that's kind of the opposite argument is, is you know, you can put a, a great coach in charge of a crappy team, they can make them play better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, well over their heads. You can put a a bad coach behind a really good team and 
you know, it can go either way. I mean, it can actually destroy it, or they can kind of drag it kicking in and screaming. I, I think, like, the Capitals did really, really well, despite some bad coaching for a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Correction real quick. Uh, Dave Tippett has actually does not have a ring. Uh, the closest he got was in 2007-2008. He made the conference finals with Dallas. Interesting. I could have sworn... I guess that's one of those things where the old trivia gets... Uh, Gets crosswired somewhere. I could have sworn he had a ring at least somewhere. I'm sure he has some ring somewhere. Yeah, he's probably married. Yeah, <laughs> he's had a ring of okay. some sort, made of metal, uh, presumably. I really like Dave Tibbet. I think he's. I mean, you look at uh, what Arizona's doing with their roster. Even though they've, even though they've definitely fallen off, that's still. A, you can tell that like that's a more of a sustainable model compared to like a when Colorado was, you know that kind of a flash in the pan kind of team. And not to mention, Coyotes have a hundred percent more. Skittles coated hockey sticks than any other team in the NHL. And that's important when you look down, you know, deep down in things. Um, also, like uh, Colorado's defense, the way it's going to be coming along. Oh, yeah. Colorado Colorado's. Avalanche. We have to talk about them more. Yeah. Or, so, Pekka didn't look great for the first uh, for the first 30 minutes or so. Came on strong as the game, uh, as the game uh, proceeded. Uh, Forsberg still scoring goals. The top line got a goal in. I mean, there's a lot of narratives with this one. Yeah, it was a nice show me win. Like I, I, I don't think that anyone's of the illusion that the Colorado Avalanche are very much threatening the Predators as far as like their playoff seating or playoff positioning or anything like that. But you still want to say this team, hey, we're right next to you in the standings, but we are better than you. Yeah. And even though it was rocky for a little bit at the start, the Predators came out and they were obviously the better team. Uh, Pekka had, like you said, had a little bit of problems, but then by the end of the game, you knew who was the better team. And uh, that Johansson goal, people have been, you know, uh, harping and, uh, you know, throwing, throwing fits and being like, oh, when is the first line going to score? What's wrong with Johansson? And then he goes out and makes that... Uh, assist where he goes from one end of the ice to the other end of the ice and basically magnetizes every single player on the ice to him to uh, to shoot a rebound so that James Neal can score. He was dragging players. I mean, no one's ever going to accuse Ryan Johansson of being fast, and that's okay. When you're a monster of a human being, that's you're allowed to do that. Maybe that's why he got so, in, in so much trouble in Columbus, why he was being accused of you know, being slow and and not contrib- maybe they did maybe it just the, the coaches didn't realize that he had a player like literally hanging like clinging to his back like uh-huh. he had a he had a backpack of rocks that he was practicing with and like Yager exactly like Yager <laughs> and who doesn't love Yager uh, take you back March third and this was after the uh, Devils game this is quote Chris Martell who's our senior correspondent sounds of slamming and yelling coming from the direction of the Predators locker room arguably not happy about this game. I don't know what's arguably about it. I'm definitely not happy about it. He's probably just being facetious. So the third period comes around, and the Johansson goal happens in the first minute and change of the of the third period. Fisher scores, and you've got quotes like from with Gabe, from Gabriel Landeskog, the team captain, saying, "We didn't stick to the game plan." So whatever Nashville did, uh, at least pushed Colorado to uh, abandon whatever game plan they had. Which I could see you rolling your eyes. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, they, as, as Wall was a fan of saying, you know, their their game plan is to throw pucks at the net to make their possession stats look bigger, so they have better contracts. <laughs> I mean, he just went out and said that the, his guys are taking bad shots to pad to pad their their possession stats. So that tells you the ga- the game plan. I don't, I don't know if he he what Wall wanted them to do. Their game plan is see that little black thing that goes into the net. Go. That's their game. That's plan. their game plan. 
And it's not a bad game plan. I mean, Detroit, I think, won a couple cups based off of that game plan for a while. Um, it's it's basically like the, you know, step one, uh, you know, uh, play hockey. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. profit. The empty net goals felt really satisfying, um, but all the goals in this game that were scored with actually a goalie in the net were uh, greasy second-chance goals, uh, like pushing the pushing the guys around in front. We haven't seen that a whole lot this season. Um, I you know what it's actually been happening a lot more recently. Like yes. uh, Craig Smith has been scoring goals like that. Um, I think in one of the Forsberg hat trick games, and it feels awesome that we have to differentiate between them. Uh, just in the past couple weeks, but uh, that's how he scored a couple of goals. And I remember talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago that those opportunities were not there at the beginning of the season. Now those. Uh, rebounds are coming to their sticks. They're in the lanes. They are where they need to be to uh, bounce on those. And I don't know if that's more something that they're consciously trying to work on or if that's just one of those things that, you know, puck luck happens and all of a sudden now the puck's finding you Or more. the lineup's finally constructed to where you're actually sending out a top-line center to play against the top-line defensive pairing and, and so on. It filters down throughout the rest of the lineup. Well, I mean, hopefully if you get the opportunity, you're you're getting your top-line guys out there against some some weak guys who are really going to push them around. Cause when, when you have a lineup where there's no clarity in terms of the, the talent level, you're not worried as, as the opponent to really do a lot of aggressive line matching. And the more matching you try to do, the more opportunity there is for mistakes. I and mean, that could be one reason why the predators get caught out sometimes with, with a lot of too many men penalties. Cause mm-hmm. they're trying to line match constantly. Um, which I actually would rather risk that than, than see things like we, we, you get kind of in the trots era where it just wouldn't happen, um, and you'd end up getting outplayed. But it's uh, it's just kind of nice to see everything sort of clicking. A few notes at the end of the week. Um, Anthony Potato with um, with Weber coming back into the lineup. You saw Potato with Granberg. You saw some uh, you saw some of Potato with Ellis. You saw some of uh, Granberg with Ekholm. But you also saw Ekholm and Ellis together, which means Granberg and Potato together. Now the results, as predictable, not great. Not terrible. You know, yeah, I actually great. thought as far as an offensive game, Granberg was very noticeable during the Colorado game because he had that one where it, uh, he had a uh, shot go off the iron, didn't he, at one he point? He had a couple really close ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought he was going to score there. Um, and uh, honestly, I think when your third pair is doing is doing that, you, you know, never expect your third pair to be that great. But I would rather risk that and have the Ekholm and Ellis pairing together uh, than splitting them apart. Oh, yeah, you, you definitely cannot split that second pairing apart. At all, uh, I mean, I've been vocally critical of of the bottom pairing and how it's set up. Um, you know, I, I think that you know, Potato is kind of going to be out there because Potato and Jackman are considered sort of same handed type players, and which is kind of unfortunate because, well, no, I mean, no, Granberg, sorry, Granberg and Potato. Well, because they used to play. Granberg's um, right-handed, but uh, yeah, these put Potato and Jackman together, right. and then they would play Granberg and whomever else. Right, right, right. Granberg and Okay, I, I get what you're saying now. I get it. Yeah, which so Granberg and I'm surprised we haven't seen Granberg and Jackman because Jackman's left-handed, Granberg's right-handed. I guess they they want Granberg to be more of the stay-at-home guy, and Potato's I, I, more I, of a roamer. Handedness just just confuses me after a while. You're, are you David Poyle? The handedness just confuses you. The handedness confuses me. Hand, hand, hands and fax machines. And people <laughs> and, and and like farmers, those are the things that confuse me. That's perfect, All right? <laughs> um, looking back, also, um, so you got Weber coming back in the lineup. 
Johansson's line looking a bit better. Yarkroak, you know, is, is, did his job He's during the fine. week. So all in all, this team is solidly in the number one wild card spot. They've got a little bit of gap between them and Minnesota opening up. Uh, they're not too far off the division pace, though. They're not too far off getting that number three spot in the division. Yeah, I, Imagine if they had won some overtime games. Yeah. I, yeah. I, mm. I, we've talked this. We talked this a little bit, little bit before. Maybe I think maybe it's just might have been last week when I could actually speak clearly last week. Um, where we asked the question, or I think Dan, Dan it might have been a, an, a user question, one that you came up with. It, it, would we want to see the Predators actually be in that top three? Is that beneficial when they could slip into the Pacific bracket, maybe have a better chance? Uh, and I'm a, I'm still a little skeptical looking forward if the Predators can make up enough points to actually hold third place and how much they'd really want to be in third place. That's a, that's a dangerous area because, I mean, Dallas would be fun to watch. I think they could win that series. St. Louis and Chicago both really scare me with how they play versus the Predators. Uh, and I'd much rather play any other team in the uh, in the West. Granted, I, I think the Kings are very, very good. Um, the Ducks right now, the way the Ducks, that they're going are... Whew. Yeah, but for some reason, I think the Predators and Ducks, you put them in a, in a ring together and they just sort of box it out and mm-hmm. the best team will win. And it's the best team in that series, not the best team over the, over right. the, uh, the 82-game series. Right. I think you can read their season. So it doesn't really bother me, but I think just, just from a mental, systemic point of view, I'd rather not see the Predators go up against a team like the Blues or the Blackhawks. So I'd rather roll the dice in the Pacific bracket and stay in that number one wildcard spot. Yeah, and I agree with you as well. And, you know, even though we say that there are, you know, there are only six points back from the division, when March hits and so many games are going three-point games and people are getting points just for, you know, holding it on and when the points are at a premium... Six points is not very close when you think about it. I mean, that is still a very large gap to overcome. Definitely agreed. Let's go and knock out some uh, comment section questions before we get the break in. Uh, Jeremy Sargent, one of our writers, uh, comes in with a uh, this is a heavy one here. If Forsberg gets a Tarasenko esque deal, how much impact will that have on the Predators' cap next year? Will this finally force ownership to make the Predators a cap ceiling team? And he also wants pros and cons of uh, Predators uh, offering Forsberg a bridge deal versus long-term deal. Let's dive into that real quick. Forsberg has definitely uh, raised his salary number over the last uh, month or so. Yeah, I I don't see a bridge deal for Forsberg. Mm-mm. Bridge deals for players who had a really good season or have had or have shown development, but you're looking for that consistency, right? I, I think that. We've looked and seen consistency in, in in Forsberg. I think you know what to expect from Forsberg. Uh, I mean, I think he may even be. He'll, he'll, I think he's still going to get a little bit better for a couple, for a year or two. Uh, but you you really know what you're going to be negotiating for there. Uh, I'm not super worried about the dollars because I think the Predators do intend to spend more money over time. But they're going to do it internally, not in, through outside acquisition. And it, on top of that, you're going to have some bad salary coming off the books soon. Uh, they're locking up over the past few weeks. They've locked up some RFAs who are very, very good deals, very, very uh, low cost. And you're, you're going to start losing guys, you know, like Mike Fisher, who's, you know, paid what, 4.4? 4. 4. 4. 4. 4. Uh, Gostad, nice. You know, contracts like that are going to start falling off. And, you know, it, the only one of those three players that is going to ha- require any sort of replacement is going to be Mike Fisher. The other guys are going to be naturally replaced by cheaper, younger players. And so I, I think um, there's going to be some cap relief, some salary relief in that sense. So I, I'm really not worried, and and I think you know I 
I don't know if Forsberg can quite demand the Tarasenko-type money because uh, Tarasenko is just ridiculous, mm-hmm. and he just, he's the way he plays and the way he scores goals is something that Forsberg hasn't quite, he's quite al- hit he's on. He's also a little bit older, too. Tarasenko was also a little bit older whenever he signed his deal, but Tarasenko's getting seven and a half a year until yeah, I'd 2023. Put, yeah, I'd put Forsberg's probably around six. I'd say six, six, six point five. That'd yeah, be six and a half. I think is kind of what I'm looking um, at. With him. Yeah, I don't really have much to add with uh, what Link said uh, because he pretty much hit the nail on the head. And even without you know Gossad and everyone off the books right now, they've still got plenty of space to yeah. to sign him. Uh, you know, depending on what their internal budget is, but they're I mean they are going to pull. pull Pony up the money yeah. for Forsberg. That and, is without question. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not remotely worried about cap space at all. Yeah. And I'm also not really worried about, about dollars because the Predators were fine spending all that paying all that money to Weber, and now they're the amount they're paying him is very reasonable versus his cap hit. Right. The only thing that makes the Weber contract uh, you know really bad is the term and the cap recapture that happen could happen. Other than that, you've got a, actually a good defenseman on, on a good deal for his his kind of what he would demand on the free market, um, it, you know. And with the dollars, it's, it, it helps a lot. So I, I don't really have any concerns financially. Yeah, next year Weber's deal goes down to twelve. The signing bonus that was only eight million dollar check they have to scratch out to him instead of a thirteen million dollar check. They yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just going to get easier and easier from there. This is um, I'm sorry. Is this Salary like four million dollars, and then the eight million dollar um, signing, bonus, signing yeah. bonus. Okay, yeah. The last few years, it's been thirteen million. Right, lump sum. Yeah. Jeez, Ed Snyder. That buys a lot of dog food for Doug. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he needs it. He definitely does. <laughs> Doug is huge. Yeah. Uh, let's, what else do I want to go with here? Uh, we have a question from a guy named Ducks F. Um, and bluntly, he puts out there: uh, How big are your balls, and how much smaller are your balls compared to that of Eric Johnson? What? Eric Johnson was the guy who was uh, okay. the infamous Colorado <laughs> trying to block Shea Weber's uh, empty net attempt. There, there were three people lined up in front of the oh, empty net. Tyson when... Berry's in the fetal position. <laughs> Matt Duchesne's kind of standing and just kind of watching, like, I'm not even going to try it. And then you have uh, then you have Eric Johnson, who's standing. Got his kinda, he kind of has, like, his body turned towards him. And he's, he's got his, like, hand up like this. He's got his like, hand blocking. over his face like, no. But at least he's standing up. We have Tyson Berry who just went straight up like Fulton like Fulton Reed's getting ready to shoot, <laughs> yeah. just dives out of the way. Um Oh yeah, sorry, now I'm getting yeah, like, a flashback I'm, I'm, to that moment. I'm stunned it took you that long. But uh I can't, I can't, this was this was the Saturday game, so keep in mind I was I was dealing with a two year old. Gotcha. I don't have an answer for that question. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, Herzostein writes in, How happy are you that we have Forsberg? Ten. Uh, nine. 9.7. Uh, we've got the French judge in here. Uh, the Omega 311 writes in, uh, how much of a cap, blah, blah, how much will the cap going down affect the Forsberg deals? We have talked about that. Yeah, well, for, uh, we don't know uh, the cap's going to go down yet. Um, the, the Canadian dollar has been recovering pretty strongly, so it's nothing set in stone. If, uh, let's see, here's Austin also writes in, if VZ signs, do we bring Bork back? Uh, the forward position is going to be packed with Wilson, Smith, Forsberg, Neal, VZ, Arvark, Yarncrook, Salamaki, VZ, Nystrom. Did he write VZ twice? Yeah, he did. Uh, VZ is such just a good what? player. He's going to play two roles. <laughs> and Watson playing wing position. Well, do we do we try to sign Bork and, tra- and trade, or do we sign Bork and trade off a Wilson or Nystrom or buy Nystrom out? I don't even think that you re-sign Bork well, in I mean, general. I do. Well, I think it comes down to, hey, who do, who do you prefer having? Do you want Bork or Salamaki? 
because I, I they're being used in the same way. Um, I prefer Bork over Salamaki. I think Bork has more upside um, and, and kind of the same play besides that. Uh, of course, Salamaki, of course, is younger and cheaper. Uh, you never know. He might. And, and he just got re-signed, too. Yeah, he just got re-signed. So that might, that might spell the end for Bork, though. If that were the intent, I'm a little surprised they wouldn't look to try and get something for him. What if you... Um, though uh, he hasn't played much this Yeah, I was going to say, maybe they have. Goal. You just, I mean, yeah. they just can't. I don't understand the, the dislike that people really do have with Gabriel Bork because I personally, he's a good bottom line player. Right now you have, you're playing Colin Wilson quite a bit of money to be a bottom line player and Bork could do that job very good. I mean, you yeah. saw at the end of the Colorado game, well, Salamaki was on the third line beside Fisher and yeah, it was a much better fit. But, but Wilson has, has the top line jaw and top line hair. This is undisputable. He also has the top line car. He drives a Land Rover. That's a good call. Well, uh, but going, going back to that's why he had that three point five million dollar contract for maintenance. <laughs> it's <all just> for <laughs> maintenance. Yeah. Uh, going back to that point though is you know yes Gabriel Bork is a good bottom line player, but he is also a replacement level NHL player. So if they are you know they're paying him what eight hundred thousand dollars or something like that right yeah. now. It, I mean, if they don't want to retain him, then they're not going to retain him, and they can bring someone else for even cheaper who could probably do just as good of a job. Nothing against Gabriel Bort because he does his job well, but again, that is a replacement-level NHL uh, duty, which means that anyone can come in and fill that. I, I think the, there's also some there's an attack. He's, he's one of, you know, quote-unquote, our players. Um, I think a lo- I think there's a decent number of fans who see him as like one of one of like a Nashville Predator player, and that's how they view him mm-hmm. yeah, in I'm a very like you're part of the family type way. I'll own that. Yeah, I think there's some there's some truth to the kind of my my thing with Bork there. Um, I also think that I would rather see a guy like him, who's a designated bottom line player, play that role instead of a guy who has top six potential, but we're just going to throw him on the team and get him to grind for a couple of years. True, but you could also run a line next year of uh, Colton Sissons on, on the sides, Austin Watson and Mika Salamaki, and I think that'd be a very effective fourth line. Forgot to mention this during the news segment, but um, Sissons was held out of Milwaukee last night. Uh, Just in case. I, I haven't seen any uh, news saying that he's actually came up, uh, but Gossett didn't play a whole lot at the end of the Colorado game. I'm guessing it had to do with the fight and got injured in. Um, Maybe so. his shoulder again? Ooh. It's a good thing. That it's, it's a thing that can get injured in a fight when you're throwing elbows. Yeah. Throwing elbows. Yeah, throwing he was fists. fighting Shane Doan. <laughs> <laughs> no, Shane Doan, you never see coming. You just feel like, it. Like, like a hockey stick covered in Skittles, you never see it coming. Uh, Bryant Fair writes in, if VZ doesn't sign, is Jonathan Juan, could they uh, get Jonathan Juan as an upgrade for Fiala? The idea the Predators could do well for themselves to round out their top six now and in the future. Yes and no. Um, I think there's something that Fiala is a bit different than a lot of these uh, than a lot of other prospects they have. Whereas Duran is a purebred playmaker. There's nothing wrong with Jonathan Duran on a from a hockey sense, but I still don't think that you know people are talking about Fiala for Jonathan Duran. I just don't see the reasoning behind giving up on Kevin Fiala at this point. Well, it moves the timetable up a bit because Duran's a couple years further along in his development. That's the rationale behind it. I I still really don't see why Iserman is, is going to be interested in training Duran. Now, if we add in the layer of, okay, let's say he is open to the idea, and the Predators go out and say, hey, we have Kevin Fiala. Well, the knock against Duran is that he has attitude issues. Well, the extent that he's attitude issues is that he's got a, 
uh, a representative who can't keep his mouth shut and uh, happens to think he deserves playing time, which he's statistically earned. Um, he's demonstrated the ability to play effectively at a high level in Tampa. Um, for whatever reason, he doesn't mesh well with whatever personality was. So there's an issue of personality. Why would Eiserman trade that asset for another asset who has been noted to have personality issues? Now, granted, I don't. I think Fiala, ha, you know, he's he's far recovered from that. He hasn't had a, the issues that he had at the beginning of the season. But this is the NHL. Yeah, once you do something once, you're staying it's, forever. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's stuck. I like, mean, like Evander Kane. That kind of stain. Yeah, right now. like I'm pretty sure. Like I would assume, Ronick was probably just a pretty nice, fun guy until he did something goofy in the ice, and everyone's like, oh, "Look how great Ronick is, and how funny he is, and all the personality." And now he's just a giant ass, and that's because the NHL does that. They just they make the the thing they want about you, and they make it bigger. Yeah. And here's my prediction with Jonathan Drouin, and this involves again our friends in Colorado, that uh, this year when Colorado doesn't make the playoffs. People be screaming for a trade, and they either trade either one of Landeskog or Duchesne. They're going to want to move one of those guys out. Now, if say if Steven Stamkos does leave Tampa, which you know I'm I'm I accept is probably like a, a one third you know to fifty percent possibility at this point. I've I've kind of softened on that. Let's say if he leaves Tampa, Steve Eiserman uses the trade chip of Jonathan Drouin to send him back to uh, Patrick Waugh's tutelage. As part of a package for Matt Duchesne and the Tampa Bay Lightning, don't miss a beat. I mean, that'd be fine. I mean, that'd be. I mean, great. Colorado wouldn't be any better. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. So that's fine. The, the point of the the point of this exercise is the Avalanche are dumb. The Avalanche are dumb. The Avalanche are dumb. Oh yeah, poor Sackick. No, not poor Sackick. It's his fault. Yeah, <laughs> it's his fault. <laughs> he get, hired the guy. <laughs> this is yeah. on him. I always was like. I used to play for the Colorado Lynch, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you I know, did. You You're know, hired. You know what we need this trade deadline is Eric Jelena and Mikhail Bodker. That's what we need to get. We need us to in get the playoffs. worse. We need to get rid of like, hey, you remember playing with Alex Tangay? Yeah. Oh, you don't like Tangay? <laughs> Alex Tangay was a great soldier for the Colorado Avalanche for many years, and they ship him off at the deadline for a team on a team that's trying to make the playoffs to bring in a worse version of Alex Tangay. Who just happens to be younger. And you know what? I, uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for the uh, Coyotes, so good for him. Let him, you know, give some tutelage you know down for Max Domi and Anthony Duclair. I hope he resigns yeah. in Arizona. And he, yeah, exact, exactly that. Because Tangay's made a long career in this league, and he's a good guy to learn from on that. Even though I don't think Max Domi has too much to worry about there. No. That, uh, that fight the other night was, was actually kind of cool. I didn't I'm see not, it. What happened? Uh, he took up for a guy hitting OEL. Ooh. Yeah. Just like his dad. Aww. One quick thing I don't get about the Avalanche, since we're talking about them in trades, is why, why is Jerome McGinley still in Colorado? I don't have an answer. I one, I, I imagine McGinley wants to go to some place as a contender. Does he have a no movement clause, no trade clause? Well, you think he would want to go somewhere to compete for a Stanley Cup? Mm-hmm. I always thought it'd be a great fit in Long Island. Well, I guess to answer answer or your question would be that if uh, Sakic does. does not think that they're you know. If they if they think that they're still competing and they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to do that, they're not going to get rid of a Jerome McGinley because they need him to do that. So I mean that's another problem. That's just you know they real they think that they're going to make the playoffs when they're not a good team and they shouldn't be aiming for the playoffs right now. But then again, once again, a team is hanging on to Jerome McGinley for far too long. Jerome McGinley does have a non no movement clause. Yeah, but I don't think that would have. I mean that no. wouldn't affect. I mean he he's the kind of guy that the reason he has that clause is because. If he gets moved, he wants to only move to a team that's competitive. I'd like to see him in, in uh, play with John Tavares. 
I'd like to see Ooh. him play anywhere for a team that I don't despise. <laughs> I mean, that would be I fun. mean, I don't just like it's weird. I don't despise the Islanders. They're sort of like the little brother of the the Metropolitan. I don't like the Islanders. What happened? Have you ever had a run-in with any Islanders fans other than the at the All-Star game? I really like. I like Vin. Yeah, Vin's, Vin's, a good guy. Vin's cool. Vin's but a good guy. That's. Are you but, just talking generally about Long Islanders in general? Yeah, you can go with that. Yeah, a couple. Their fan base is. Uh, I might even rank them worse than Rangers fans. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we won the cup in '84 versus the cup we won we won the cup in '94. I mean, <laughs> that's. <laughs> they that's that they still talk about that. It's like congratulations, your team won a hockey team before you were even alive. Congratulations, way to go! Look at all the stripes in my sleeves. Yeah. So many stripes. There's four. So many. Did you guys by chance see the? Um, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about it after the break. The the Flyers fan that made the news this past week. Not you. Someone else did. Um, that's all for the comments section. Um, anything else that's team-related you guys want to talk about before the break hits? Now let's go ahead and break so that we can talk more. Let's do that. Listen to the Predcast brought to you by LionZone Internet Marketing Solutions on thefourcheck.com. These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. Welcome back. Again, thank you to everybody who uh, responded to us via Twitter. We've got a plethora El Wapo of uh, El Guapo. El Wapo. You not see Three Amigos? Yeah. That was, just, that was one of my favorite movies when I was a child. Mm. It is a plethora El Wapo. Okay. First question we're going to lead off with uh, from Twitter. All right, come on, man. If I can't make like I can't make <laughs> pop culture references that are like. Hey, I'm going to give you a little hint, Dan. Pop culture is now. Yeah. And recent has Yeah, it's there's a time frame for pop Three culture. Three Amigos was like 26 years ago. Yes. Maybe mm, longer. longer than that. Maybe longer. Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, and... Martin Short? No, not Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd wasn't in Three Amigos? Steve Martin, Martin Short, and... You know, I'm thinking of Spies Like Us. Yeah. Who's the third guy? Chevy Chase. Travis Brown on Twitter writes in, "Could if you could bring any aspect of European soccer fan atmosphere to hockey, I mean, what would you bring?" So he's his his wording's a little bit of weird. European. I would uh, bring the airplane that they the paper airplane that they threw from the stands all the way down to where it hit that guy in the head. That is my knowledge of European soccer. What about flares? Like the those? 
They do that in European soccer? In, in America, the too. Yeah, smoke bombs and flares and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I feel like in hockey, that'd be dangerous <laughs> since there's a roof on it. I, to, to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanna, looking at it realistic. Although, well, I was going to say, you wouldn't have a fire hazard in uh, Bridgestone Arena. No banners. Oh. Well, there's all the team banners on the side. Yeah, that's true. Um, about the those are flammable. So you're saying that uh, that that Washington would immediately burn to the ground? Yeah, absolutely. So would San Jose. So would Chicago. So would Detroit. They, they, so would New York Islanders. Well, Detroit. Yeah, uh, Southern Division fire. The asbestos would light in the Joe pretty quickly. That's true. <laughs> the southern the su- the uh, Southern Division fire of of 2016. <laughs> I, if I want to bring anything, Southern Division champ banners just gone. Forever. It would be uh, I'd never get those back. If I had to bring anything over from from European style soccer, it would be designated visiting sections. Because, as a visiting fan, you want—I would rather sit around other visiting fans, and vice versa. You know, when you're a home fan, you want to sit around—you know—a bunch of people watching your team. Plus, you have a designated allotment for visiting teams. Oh, was it about sort of culture? Was the question? Uh, he says um, soccer fan atmosphere to hockey. Okay, sure, I'll allow it. <laughs> well, what would you bring? Uh, no, when you were answering, because I was like supporting. That's very much a, like a administrative type decision. Yeah. That, but I do think it makes for an atmosphere. Yeah, that's atmosphere. Um, yeah, I, 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 the singing. I think. I mean, because I mean, hockey cheering gets so boring, um, and pe- people are shouting just stupid things. Shoot those, shoot, Pat. You know, all this stuff. It's like, why would they shoot? They're in the neutral zone. That doesn't make any sense, you idiot. So, but if if people were like singing and actually doing some really creative, fresh things. Um, and coming up with songs for players, and so they're singing players' names, things like that. I mean, they do. They actually. I mean, frankly, they do that in um, in some of the European hockey leagues. They already do that. Uh, so I mean, I really think that's fantastic. Where you, you go to some like you hear about like Swedish league games where people are like standing and singing the whole time. I mean, that's just soccer all over again. And I think that's great. I mean, that's one of my favorite things uh, about either being a, at a live soccer match or even watching a, a, you know a team in England with with friends of mine is just. The fact that we all get there and sing stupid songs and come up with new songs and uh, just have a really good time. Matt Bryan writes in, given the play of the youngsters, uh, Arvidsson, Watson, Mika, etc., do you see this team letting go, letting a couple of the older guys go? Yeah, because they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay Forsberg buku money, yep. and uh, you also have uh, Nystrom and uh, Nystrom. Fisher and Ribeiro's contracts yeah. all up the year after next. Yeah, Gostad's not coming back next year. Gostad's yeah. not coming Gost- back. done. Nystrom is reaching a perpetual state of brokenness, mm-hmm. uh, which is just something that happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then yeah, on top of that, you just have guys dropping away. And the only one I, the only guy leaving who I think the team needs to think about replacing and finding who the next guy is is Mike Fisher, and that's a, I mean, point production. This is a ch- it can be a challenge to replace him. I mean, he's been been declining, but still, he he production is his role, yeah. but his role at, on the team and his personality and what he brings at, from a leadership role is going to be much more difficult to, to to replace with just his kind of congenial sports attitude. That, from a from a speaking from a purely hockey standpoint, so we're we're getting rid of like whatever sentimental feelings we have of those three guys, which I know you're, neither of you are going to say Nystrom between Ribeiro and Fisher. Who would you sign if you had a chance to extend one for one year for like two and a half million dollars just to finish out your career, buddy? And you're saying it's a purely hockey decision? Purely hockey decision. Probably Ribeiro, I guess, because I mean, like, we've seen Fisher kind of start 
the decline already, which, and that's not to say that he hasn't been bad, because he has been stepping up recently, and he's still, you know, on uh, both special team units. Um, but just the style that he's been playing since he came into the league in 1999 is just going to wear his body down to the point of where he's not going to be able to do what he used to do uh, beforehand. Uh, whereas Ribeiro, as frustrating as it is to watch him sometimes, you know, he can probably keep that up for another year after that. But again, that pains me to say because I, I mean, I didn't even want them to resign him this I'll, time. I'll just, I'll just let his answer stand on that. Yeah, I think we're all in court on that one. Uh, Paul Peckley uh, writes in, assuming Bork or Nystrom come back this year, who's the first to get sent to Milwaukee? Ooh. I don't think Nystrom is going to push anybody out of a job, given how good the team is running right now. But um, he, he, he is old, and he does have a new um, Beneath the Ice coming out where he, apparently he drops some sick beats that are fresh. I... Sick and fresh, huh? Sick oh, and yeah. fresh? They're sick and fresh. Can they be sick and fresh? I don't know. At the but same time? I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because you feel like Salamaki might do that just because of where his role is, but at the same time, it might be better for him to stay there and bolster the fourth line and then put Arvidsson down and have them help that down there in Milwaukee. I'm but... But I mean, Arvidsson is playing really well. Yeah, Ar- and, and he's done nothing wrong. No, I mean he takes a, a one too many penalties every now and then. That's you know it's part of being a younger player that you're just now adjusting to the speed of it. Watson is getting stronger as the year goes on. Like he, Watson's a guy that you throw out there on the ice at the end of the game, and I'm looking forward to seeing him back with Sissons if Sissons gets called up after after the game every, after every Predators game when they're in the locker room. Watson just bench presses Paul Gostad like 50 <laughs> times. That's his cooldown. I just imagined him like charging like Goku, like, ah, getting his energy in for the rest of the game. Does that make Arvidsson Krillin? Arvidsson hasn't died on the ice so many times, so I mean, oh, no, each die. penalty's a death. <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. That makes sense. Man, talk, I mean, nerds. I made a Three Amigos reference, and you guys looked at me like, you know, whatever. And But Pokemon, which came out, like, what, four years later, that's that's completely cool. <laughs> we were talking about Dragon Ball Z, which I don't even like. I've seen, like, four episodes that of Dragon the, Ball Z. That, that was the joke. Um, oh, Lincoln, <laughs> wow. Lincoln Vamos writes in, what's up with Bork? He's still an eye after conditioning stint. Uh, seems fishy to me as he's clearly healthy. He's probably not better. I don't. I, mean, I, I don't think, the think coach you can say to, that he's clearly healthy. I don't think the coach wants to mess up something that's going good. I mean, if the penalty kill starts, you know, looks like it did against New Jersey every night, fine. But I don't think they want to mess with it right now. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, since we're not around, I don't think that's fair to say that he looks completely healthy because that was the point of his uh, reassignment into uh, Milwaukee for that little bit of time was to assess whether or not he was ready to come back. Um, and he's still on IR. He's, I mean, I... He's still I'm, rehabbing. Yeah, I'm guessing that it's probably a concussion or something like that because they said, they've said upper body injury, right? That's code for concussion. Yeah, and he's been out so long and there's no timetable with, uh, with the, you know, the dreaded C word. So, I mean, I don't think that you can really say that. No. Uh, Nicholas Winston writes in, thoughts on Anaheim. The Ducks have, I mean, the Ducks have been... The Ducks are playing, like, Everyone expected, expected them to all, all season. I mean, what we saw at the start on the first half what, and was nothing. No, just, just not them. I think their PDO at one point was like ninety four. <laughs> like, well, 
terrible. I think I think um, I pulled this. This might have been from a Ryan Lambert thing. I can't remember. Um, but the claim was put out there that that in a full season as coach for for a team, Bruce Boudreaux has never not won a division. It's true. That I mean, and and the Ducks are They're back in, in division lead. What What's crazy though about this is that you think of where they were, you know, twenty games into the season, and the fact that they're on first place. Like that's why earlier, Link, uh, when I said the Ducks scare me, that's why. It's because like you again, I never like to um, bet a whole lot on like extended winning streaks in an eighty-two game season because you, they're never reliable, but. Doing that is incredible. Well, winning winning eleven in a row was going to do quite a lot for your team. Yeah, and I think it's funny because, um, you, you know, there was a point that like we were said, Bruce Boudreaux is not going to see his next game. Like he's done yesterday. Like there's no way they'd retain him. And you know, to his credit, Bob Murray hung in there and kept him. And I think back to the 2011 season with Washington, where the same type of thing happened. They started bottoming out. They panicked, and then they fired Boudreaux, brought in Dale Hunter, and the rest is history. I mean, I think that that maybe was in the back of his mind a little bit. Like, don't panic because uh, Bruce knows what he's doing. The there's no way that this team is this bad, and they'll get right the ship and. You know, the division's not strong, so we can hurry up and win some games and get back into it. And that's what they've done. Adam Wenzel, one of our favorite guys, writes in, um, what's our thoughts on Philip Forsberg making Team Sweden, and who should he play alongside in the tournament? Ooh, I, I had to pull up the... Uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Sedin brothers. You think so? Yes, because, number one, he's going to add some physicality to that line because the Sedins aren't the most physical guys in the world. They don't have to be because they're 35, 36 years most, old. You know what's funny, though, is most Swedish guys aren't really the most physical in the world until, like, but when they're, you're, they're asked upon, they'll lay some hits. Like we, see, we see that with Forsberg a lot. Landeskog was hitting everything. Uh, this Every time he plays the Predators, apparently. What happens if you reverse check a check? Hmm. I, I also off topic. Did you catch uh, Neil doing the reverse check the other day? No, no, yeah. I missed it. Yeah, he was doing the reverse check against the Avalanche. That was that was so cute. I didn't do it as good as Philip did either. Um, that, there's really the way that Sweden's set up. There's not really a bad lineup, bad piece in the lineup for him to play in at all. Mm-mm. You put him beside Backstrom, he's gonna be right at home. Yeah, no, I think that's gonna be the most interesting thing is to see how Sweden lines up because you never quite know other than the Sedin brothers will play together. I mean, at one point they were. I mean, Parmart said this is the same team that Parmart at one point rolled out uh, four forwards and one defenseman during one during one Olympic tournament. That's amazing. Yeah, they're. I think the biggest question for them is going to be like their defense is stacked. Like that's not going to be a problem. But um, other than Henrik Lundqvist, who's playing goal for him, Robin Leonard. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, Markstrom actually has had a pretty good year for them. But Markstrom is a prospect that I had dead and buried a while ago. Um, just. Florida, right? Yeah, Florida. I mean, Florida traded him because he was, quote, not going to be the guy there. So, and well, I mean, it worked not, out for him. Yeah, he's certainly not. I mean, Luongo was managed just to continue to be the guy, and they have a guess a plan for the future. Uh, Adam Sionaflame writes in, do you guys think that Wilson turns it on at some point, or is this just a lost season for him? It's a lost season. It's, I mean, it, it's a, you know, a standard Con Wilson cycle. He'll be good next year. I think that it, you, you're going to see this line. I'm going to expect him to break out this year because he's playing beside Mike Fisher in kind of more of a uh, defense-first kind of role. Especially, I mean, we harken back to this, but if uh, Sissons does get called up and, and if Goose is out for a while, 
that really frees up that uh, Fisher line to take the really tough defensive assignments and use Arvidsson as kind of like a jailbreak player. And uh, he may get some points that way from assisting on Arvidsson and looking for that stretch pass. But as a whole, um, I think they're going to be kind of a uh, David Backus, TJ Oshie type role where they're going to be t- playing, the, uh, playing the really tough assignments and letting the kids play some sheltered minutes. So, uh, Zachary Brickner writes in, What was Laviolette thinking playing Goose, Salamaki, and Yarncroke for the last goal of the Devils game? Um, those were three of his best penalty killers on a three-on-four power play. I th- well, I think you just answered the question. That's the mm. that's I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what he was just, doing. Yeah. It's the fact of the matter. Like you're not gonna probably not gonna score. It's one of those things where they they don't try and score in the three on around the th- three yeah. on three anyway. So I mean, those those are the decisions also that lead to the score effect. You know, as you throw at guys who just do not generate offense, they're there to kill penalties, and, and it just you know creates a weird scenario situation. Uh, let's see. Preds hateful fan writes in. Will we ever see Ponus Oberg? I'm thinking he means Oberg. Uh, Ponus Oberg in Nashville. I mean, can he be worse than Wilson? We're upside down with Wilson. Troubled asset. Well, I mean, y- y- we see Oberg in Nashville every year training camp, and he Isn't looks that enough? okay. He, he looks he looks okay. He doesn't look great. I mean, but for as long as this guy has been in the system, you'd expect him to look better. Right. I mean, Victor Arvidsson looked better than him. I mean, Oberg never looks bad in, in, in those scrimmages at all. I mean, but he's always beside, because he, because of his talent level, they always put him beside a guy like a Kamenev or put him beside a Yakov Trenin, a bigger guy, and he works well with them. But he, you expect to see more from him at the level that he's currently at. Yeah, and given how long he's been with the team, I think it's one of those things where he either you know gets traded for a change of scenery or just goes back to Europe. I I don't I wouldn't hold your breath and expect Ponus Oberg to no. be a mainstay on a Preds roster yeah, I, ever. Uh, undersized Swedish wingers was yesterday. The new hot thing with the Predators are are enigmatic uh, Russian centers. The, <laughs> the Swedish thing is over. Maybe we'll cut. Maybe Arvidsson will stick around, but the rest of them are done. Now we're now we're working on the on the Russian centers. Yeah, as long as we get well, as long as one of them pans out, I think we'll be good. And Oberg's 5'11", 196. He's not small, but he just doesn't do anything really remarkable. I mean, he's only got... He hasn't cracked 20 goals in Milwaukee yet. Yeah, that that tells you a lot right there. I mean, he can't stay... He also can't stay healthy in Milwaukee. Yeah, that kind, of, that kind of player, for what you expect him to do at the NHL level, needs to be scoring... Needs to be a 30-goal scorer in the AHL. Actually, in and only in one level. And uh, when he played for... Uh, Desert and uh, under the under 18 squad is the only time he's ever cracked uh, over 20 goals in his career at any level. Oh, they also play uh, fewer goals and fewer goals, fewer games in Sweden, so that you have to yeah, that was check that. That wasn't that wasn't 22 games he scored 22 goals, but you know, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, well, his skill set is perfect for for European hockey. So, well, not KHL, but I get what you're saying. Rest of Europe. Uh, what else we have left? We only got a couple left. Um, I think that was it. Really? I think that was. I mean, I'm going through them, and unless, well, let's see if someone got one in the morning. I'm okay. still hungry for Twitter questions. Kind of hard to communicate that during the show is the only problem. I had some delicious oatmeal for breakfast. I never had cereal, man. That's disgusting. I, I had a hard-boiled eggs. You don't like cereal? I've never had cereal. Really? Well, I'm not a huge oatmeal person, but I um, there's some breakfast place that opened up. Uh, a couple minutes, a few minutes from here, and decided to go because they had some really good, like healthy breakfast options. And mm-hmm. I wasn't super hungry. So What's it like, called? 
I'm trying to remember. Um, it's first watch. Yeah, it's actually, a franchise. Yeah, yeah we were I actually going to go there today, but then we decided to go to Whole Foods. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I was actually for for like a franchise type place. I was really impressed. Yeah, that's my uh, girlfriend lives right down the street from there, and she went with her mom when she was in town. Yeah, the atmosphere and they said it was, was great. really nice, and and I was impressed with the food and everything, and they had enough they had enough things where a a, a vegan baby could actually eat, um, and and be pretty happy. There's another place uh, a little bit further down on Old Hickory. It's uh, I think it's just called like Old Hickory Bistro or something yeah, like I've that. Yeah, I've heard good things about that, that place. place. Yeah, I got a uh, salmon bagel from you, there. It's surprising. You can you have, you have to dig for it, but you can find decent places to eat in Dawson Hermitage area. That first watch is good. Uh, Jay Christopher's in Bellevue and in uh, Franklin. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. That's a totally different, totally different genre. Well, I mean, they still have you know some of the, the same options as first watch, but not not to that extreme. It's not just everything yeah. doesn't. No, have, I, like not my, everything has like an ice cream scoop full of butter on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my first, my first choices for for breakfast stuff is always goes um, biscuit loving Fido. Yeah, big fan. Fido is, I love Fido. If you can get in, if you can actually get your food within half an hour. You're doing good in Fido anymore though. And biscuit love, you're gonna get stuck waiting outside. For no, it's just not. You, you gotta be clever about it. I've I have gone to biscuit love on a weekend. And not waited, John. Our, Link is telling us that we need, we should be we should just plan. That's the solution. It's just to plan, right? Oh, I've never done that before. <laughs> That's a common urge. Oh yeah, it's just like just <laughs> like in the traffic. You yeah. just got to plan better. Yeah, natural traffic isn't bad if you if you know what you're doing and get a, get out there early enough, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, just just lie to your boss and you know and get off work at four o'clock instead of five thirty. Yeah, just you know, just plan better. That's yeah, we're not ha- making having, fun of you. We having promise. been stuck in natural traffic at like. 7.30 in the morning on a Sunday wa- driving into a bar to watch soccer, <laughs> you cannot plan because it's just like, where's everyone going? Nothing's open. There's nothing open. Where are you going? I'm going to watch soccer. No, so, they're nuts. <laughs> There's only three soccer bars in, in the downtown area, and two of them are nightmares. Yeah, one uh, the Fleet Street is a, a nightmare to get to. Well, yeah, that's the, the one. The other soccer Valley, bar is right? across the street. Really? The whatever whatever the rainbow pub? room skulls uh, oh, rainbow room Fleet Street's in Printer's Alley, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then uh yeah, Harp and Fiddle's what it's called now, right? Yeah. That's on Demundrian. Yeah. 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 yeah, the pub never opens up. Let's let's take like no, two. No, they 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 were we were negotiating with them and mm-hmm. uh, and and it just wasn't going to work. R- real quick, worst Nashville traffic story. Go. I work 5 minutes from my house, so I spend so little time in traffic. <laughs> Uh, um, I would say literally any time driving on the um, twenty four four forty split, uh, just that's that is that's my worst national traffic traffic is just traffic story is just that it's just that always. So this is real quick. Uh, when uh, Vice President Biden was in town, uh, that's the worst time I've ever had traffic because I, my usual commute is in between. Anywhere between like 15 and 25 minutes usually. Um, to give you an idea, I work on Sidco Drive, so I usually just go Harding to 65 and then take 65 to 40 to 24 into yeah. East Nashville. At 6.45, I was in front of the Omni because that's where Waze told me was faster than sitting on the interstate. I basically went through downtown to get onto the, uh, the bridge to get over into East Nashville and Shelby because that was faster. I once drove, I can't remember what, what year it was, I once drove into the downtown area, um, going to a soccer game, obviously, and didn't realize the Music City Marathon was going on. <laughs> this is when National Spurs still went to Fleet Street, yeah, yeah. so this is like, this is several years ago, and literally just getting there, and I'm like, okay, it's fine, I knew this, I, like, okay, I, there's other places I can park, but the issue was, because we could just park at my buddy's apartment, 
because it was walk, it was like a ten minute walk, not bad. But the issue was like every road was blocked. There was no way to get to where I needed to be. And then when I finally figured out a way, all the construction for um oh I can't remember the Sulphur Dell yeah. where the where the ballpark Sounds, is now. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of the stadium, the ballpark. First Tennessee. Is it first Tennessee? I like I okay. But then all the roads I need to get to were all set to one way for for construction. And so now I couldn't like I had finally gotten around all of the the mess for the marathon, and now I was trying to get around the mess of one way streets, which were just everywhere. And by the time I did, I was back to the marathon. Worst ever had was actually trying to make it to a podcast recording, and it was like the one time I showed up at like six thirty five, and we were supposed to be here at six. If there's a wreck on like the south side of town, screw you, because <laughs> you know you might as well might as well just put it in park. Uh, even just on days where I leave the office at 4.30 trying to make it to the radio station to the pregame show, even when I leave at 4.30, there's going to be at least two or three times in the left-hand lane I'm going to come to a complete stop. So, any um, chill news real quick. Uh, the Lightning and the Ducks now lead both of, now lead their respective divisions. We talked about the Ducks being on a run. Right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, burning hot. Dim bolts. So, um, Lightning hot, you might say. I think say. we expected that, though, because as good as the Florida Panthers are, uh, this season, I don't think that they're as good as they've probably have been showing and their record indicates. I at least want a Florida, an all-Florida second round, and I think we're still going to get that because I don't think that Boston or Detroit are terribly good, great this year. The Bruins are coming on, too, as a blade. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, the Bruins are obviously very weak compared to their past teams, but I think they're, they're a better hockey team than the Florida Panthers. Absolutely. The Florida Panthers are running a lot of luck, and it's starting to, to peter out a little bit. Yeah, I'd rather see a uh, first-round Tampa-Florida matchup than anything else, but I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, the, the troll factor of having a second round in Florida is just too much for me. I can't pass that up. Once we get that opportunity, it's it's is, there. Is there yeah. a name for that series? The uh, the Florida no uh, the, no. There's not like there's not like a road that connects the two cities or something. The the, the key state rivalry. That's bad. The I don't Keys- know. No, no, it would be some like sunshine showdown or so. It'd be something lame like that if it the was sunshine showdown. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I've it was never called anything because they're on two separate networks. You have sun, you have the Sun Network, which does the Lightning, and then you have Fox Sports. Florida, well, yeah, but which like does, the, the, they're all by the same well, company. The, but Pittsburgh and, and Philadelphia have have their series, and they're yeah. on different. There's networks. like Subway series. There's the whatever the the Rangers Devils thing is, but there's not really a direct Hell. path. There's there's not really a direct path that goes uh that goes from Tampa to Fort Lauderdale, with the exception of uh, the road that goes across the Everglades. So, uh, kind of a roundabout way to get there. But I'm all for it. Um, so we're starting to see some of the effects of the deadline moves that were made. We had a uh, Yuri Sikach who is kind of a weird player. Suffering sucks a cash. Yuri Sikach. Uh, I believe he was the guy that uh, was traded for Devontae Smith-Pelly. Um, he started point. in Anaheim, didn't he? He went from Anaheim Not to Montreal, and then from Montreal to... He's in Chicago now? Or is he in Arizona now? He was in Chicago, then he got waived and picked up by the Coyotes. Is that correct? Uh, I know he's with Phoenix, right? or he's with Arizona right now. He's only 23 years old. Uh, I'm going to pull up his... Uh, He's only tw- yeah, he's only 23. He's played games for the Montreal Canadiens and he was traded to Anaheim. Okay, I, then, I got that backwards. And then um Anaheim traded him as part of uh part of something to Chicago and then he got waived and now he's picked up by Arizona. So 
He's like the Emerson Edom of defensemen. Another another weird guy who's I mean I think him and David Perron and Yuri Sikatra is going to have like a, this awesome jersey collection by the time they all retire. And uh, you can add Mark Arcabello into that. Probably, yeah. Played for four different teams last year. The difference is is that Arcabello is a fourth liner. Sikatra is like one of those weird guys, kind of like a Yarncroke type player that people can throw on their top line, people can throw on their second line. David Perron's just good. He's not great. He's just, he's pretty good. Sorry, I only know I only know him by cakes. Sakach. Oh, uh, by cakes. Okay. Because his name backwards spells cakes. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I can't say I've thought of that. Mm. I didn't think of it. It just that's what people would call him. They call him cakes. So I did a little bit of um, did a little bit of uh, just examination. You know, but going uh, part of the reason why I was late today, I was I was running this report. So sorry about that, guys. But um, sorry, the report was late. So all year, this is a, for those who not a big fan, not belonging to the Church of Fancy Stats. And there's nothing wrong, you know, if you choose not to. But one of the most annoying fact, annoying ones for me, that people rely on our PDO, which I think people rely on it a little bit too much. But at the same time, it does. This is a, a good example of why it does have a, a reasoning behind it. Uh, since February first, the Nashville Predators PDO. You guys want to take a guess at what it is? Even strength, which for those who aren't listening, ninety six point four, one hundred. Since February 1st. Oh, uh, so since, since February 4th? That was the question. Oh, I'm Sad sorry. February 1st. For some reason, I thought I was thinking the first half of the okay. season. Uh, 105. Oh, I like that. I'm going to go with 103.6. 103.4. Oh. This, is, this is save percentage uh, plus shooting percentage. The Predators are shooting 9.1%. Save percentage right now is 94.3. By comparison right now, the Dallas Stars, since February 1st, do you guys want to take a guess where they're, they're on the other end of the spectrum? 97.2. Lower, Bob. 96.17. Uh, 96.5. this game. Yeah, you're, you're good. They're shooting, they actually have the second high or the third highest uh, shooting percentage of the five central teams that are in playoff position. Uh, 7.2. Uh, St. That's, Louis that's right a now. sustainable number. Yeah, St. Louis is shooting 6.3. Uh, Chicago, 6.1. Minnesota, 8%. Uh, on a safe percentage, though, for the Stars since February 1st, 89.3. And That's I, bad. And I do want to say, I, I fully believe that that reflects more about the lack of defensive quality discipline than goaltending. Yes. I agree with that. Because <laughs> so I defend the so, Dallas Stars. To know, <laughs> I had to defend Antoniemi. So, well, but, the Dallas Stars aren't even going to defend the Dallas Stars. Well done. Yeah. Audible high five. So that's all since the beginning of February. Looking at like January 31st and forward... The Predators PDO, you guys, want to take a guess at this? Wait, one? so now we've taken we've taken the February forward and added in January. So what? I, the first number was February forward. Yes. Now we're going to look at what was what it was before February, all the way back to the beginning of the season. So okay. from so the January season backwards. to January thirty first. I'm going to go ninety eight point seven. Isn't that a radio station? I don't. Yes, it is. Probably. Go. Um. 97.3. 98.8. Yeah. Two, right. two to one, John, to keep that in mind. I, I was closer. So the save, percentage, the save percentage was uh, two points lower. Shooting percentage was 6.4%, about 2.7% lower than what it is now. Yeah, remember all those games where they shot 40, 40 shots on Jake net and then Allen. did not score? <laughs> That's all you got to say is just <laughs> Jake Allen. It's like Matt Damon. Jake Allen. Hey, this is Jake Allen. I want to see you all at the Civic Center this weekend. 
That's all I'm going to hear in my head now when I see him play. So every, everybody else, okay, this is this is why people were harping on Pecorine. You had St. Louis, Chicago, Minnesota, and Colorado all had on-ice safe percentages at 90, ranging from 93.0 to 93.6. And then you had the Predators at 92.4. You have, um, so everyone else, you know, had a, had a kind of a closer to, nine, the lowest PDO of that whole group was Chicago. What makes PDO relevant out of this whole conversation all year? So now we're looking from the beginning of the year till now. Anyone want to guess what Nashville's PDO is now? I'm going to go back to and say 100, Bob. 100? Uh, you? 100.1. 99.9. Closest without going over? Oh, wait. We both went over. Damn it. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> oh, so we're so close. Anyways. Yeah. Let's just be friends. So for the year, Nashville is shooting 7%, which is middle of the pack. On I say percentage, 92.9, which is better than Dallas, but two two tenths of a point behind St. Louis. This is, again, this is all even strength numbers here. It's almost like over the course of an 82-game season, everything thing evens out. out. It took two months for Nashville to ba- have balance out everything they did from October, November, December, and January. Two great months has essentially voided out the four yeah, months. Which is perfect if you want to be a... Uh Wildcard playoff team. Then that's what we expected. So everybody can now officially quit whining. That's not how it works, but... (laughs) (laughs) Van, I'd like to whine about that statement if I could. I'm not stopping you. You don't even have to ask for permission. You just do it. I'm too polite. Let's do five tough questions, shall we? Okay. All right, let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah, I know we we kind of uh, went a little bit long with the traffic segment. I just kind of wanted to ask, just because I was, I just wanted to. That was going to be like my, my bonus fifth tough question. Yeah, I think we've talked a lot of a lot of non hockey today. Well, because the team's doing good and we're all in good moods. Yeah, so that's true. Kind of a fun I'm moment. Kind of sleepy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit tired too. Minus mine's sushi related, so. Yeah. <laughs> all right, um, number one. Uh, currently, as of the recording of the show, Nashville actually has two of the top 25 goal scorers as far as goal totals in the league. I hear the Predators need to add a top six forward. I, I hear that they really need to add that one C. So one of them, of course, is Philip Forsberg, who's in actually getting towards the top 10. The other one's James Neal right now, who's tied for 20, uh, like tied for 23rd. There's a, several people who have the same to the goal total that he does. The question is, is is James Neal getting the attention that he deserves for the work he's done this year? I think so. Um, I think he's, unfortunately, I think he's gotten uh, more negative attention than he deserves. Uh, I th- there's this, this lagging mental state, and I've talked about this in the past, where goal scoring is going down across the league. So even guys like James Neal is going to see his goal scoring go down. And so I think he's producing about where he you would expect him to produce. I still really fully expect he needs to hit 30 goals. I really think that's important. Uh, if he does it or not, it's, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But he's I think he's been producing fine. He's producing well at a level that I would expect from him. And so I think he, the bad negative attention that he's gotten is really undeserved. And is more of a, you know, this guy once scored X number of goals, and we expect him to score X number of goals now. And it's just not realistic given the environment, the save percentages that are out there. Right, and we kind of knew that that was going to happen a little bit when he was traded there, just because you know he was with Pittsburgh when they were playing really well and they were scoring all this, uh, all these goals, and he was on a power play with Sidney Crosby and uh, Evgeny Malkin, 
And just that that forty goal number, you know, when you put that out with someone, that's that's a benchmark that you're always comparing him to. I mean, even uh, Patrick Hornquist gets compared to a thirty goal scorer, and he met that once, and people are still saying that you know he should meet that, or could he meet that, or anything like that. So um, I think that at the very beginning of the year, when Smith was struggling and Forsberg was struggling, I mean, he was there and he was the top goal scorer for a while. Um, and now he's he's still putting up goals. He's still doing what he needs to do. Um, I guess you kind of want him to do it at a little bit higher of a rate. But like you said, being top 25 uh, in the league is not anything to sniff at. And this is a franchise that's rarely has anybody in the top 50. And, and, and who yeah. even still pundits say that they're struggling offensively. That's just narrative at this point. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's they're middle of the pack. Lagging, they're middle of the pack. There's that lagging impact. But if you have if you've got two guys in the top 30 for goal scoring... And I, I think that's a really good number because yeah. there's 30 teams in the league. If you've got two guys top 30 in goal scoring, that's you could assume that's one more than every other team. And you're one still more than most teams, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just it puts you ahead on a different tier in terms of what's, scoring. What's threat. impressive about this is that the teams that do have two players in there, they're typically playing beside each other, like a Ben and a Sagan or a uh, Panarin and Kane. They're typically playing on the same line. So the fact they're doing it on separate lines. Big deal. Uh, just for for the sake of giggling, uh, since February 1st, the Predators have scored 34 even strength goals and allowed 21. By comparison, St. Louis is 20 and 23. Chicago is 20 and 18. Dallas, 30 and 39. Nice. It's kind of amazing to see that goal differential jump up for the past couple of weeks. Because remember, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was what negative six or something like this that. This is this is even strength totals. Now for the for the for the uh, year before February first, it was 76 and 78. All year, uh, Nashville is 110 to 99. So last year, this team was awesome at even strength. Oh, special teams with me, but that's finally yeah. starting to yeah. come around. Uh, when, when you when you have a single player score six goals, back, you know, in a week, it helps that, a it helps. lot with yeah. those numbers. That, that helps a big deal. Number two, during the Colorado game, Eric Johnson and Tyson Berry were attempting to block Shea Weber's empty net goal attempt. We've got pictures of this. It's probably one of the funniest uh, pictures we've seen in quite a while. Uh, it's right up there with Bobby Butler trying to fight that one guy at the end of the Dallas Stars game a few years ago. No one's going to remember that. I'll have to find a picture. I remember what game. I just don't remember because uh, that was in uh, 2013, I believe. That was the tank year. Yeah. That was the bad year. Um, the fact that Nashville claimed Bobby Butler off waivers should should be kind of indicative. Didn't they do that and Zach Boychuk? Yep, and Zach Boychuk. <laughs> in honor of uh, Tyson Berry and Eric Johnson, what is the funniest in-game moment that you can remember off the top of your head? Oh, it has – oh, man, which – I'm trying to remember the exact player it was from Nashville. Oh, I am so bad with names here. Give me a go, go, John. I just need to remember Funniest these in-game names. Moment. It doesn't have to be a Predators moment. It no, but it, well, my favorite absolutely is a Predators. Uh, can I list off just like a couple? Go not for going it. to them. Yeah, okay, sure. so uh, recently there was Dan Girardi getting the puck in his uh, visor to where he looked like a it looked I like did. an eye, eye patch. Um, there was the uh, drunk Chicago fan pulling off Adam Party's helmet, uh, which was amazing uh, for. Several different reasons. <laughs> um, there was the always classic Steve Sullivan fan who got uh, uh, the, broke his nose a couple of times. He laughed at Sullivan during pre-games, and then Sullivan came over to him during the game. Yeah. Um, let's see. There have been a couple more. Oh, uh, last season, Braden Holpe lost the puck in his equipment, and it took him like 
two minutes to find it, and the crowd started like actually getting into it and cheering, and he finally like squatted down and laid an egg, and the <laughs> the puck came out, and the entire arena erupted. I'll see if I can find a video for it. It was it was amazing watching. Uh, I was uh, on a road trip at that point. I was listening to the radio guy, and at at like a minute in, they were just laughing hysterically. It was amazing. Okay, so I I've got got everything straightened out in my head, which is more impressive than you may think. You guys don't look impressed. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this is maybe a little bit different, but the moment that sticks out to me, where I just cracked up. And the same time was just cheering, was when Wade Belak knocked out Donald Brashear in one punch. That's not easy to do because he just skated over one hit down, and, and you're just your mind is is just screaming, and you're cracking up, but you're just dead sound on the outside because you just can't figure out what you should be doing because what you saw was just so astounding. Was that when uh, Brash was playing for the Rangers? No, it's playing for the Caps. Capitals. Belak played on that? I thought he was a little bit after that. No, Belak was... Uh, this was the, the last uh, blue and silver jersey year, I believe. It was preseason, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I always think that uh, that uh, Brashear was done... 310, 2009. I always thought that... Uh, I'd, I'd have to oh, go no, back, but I'd always think silver. that, that Brashear was good. done in like 08 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 09. He was done after Belak KO. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> you just didn't like Brashear? What, what made it funny for you? No, I'm not I mean, judge, well, Brashear is, I mean, he's obviously a legendary fighter. I mean, he's just one of the big, tough guys. And, you know, Wade, Wade Bielek, of course, also has a, has a similar reputation, though obviously not to the same tier. But any time, like a big, like, it's the Washington Capitals. It's Donald Brashear. It's like a big team from a big city with a big fighter. And then you have Wade Bielek, who's just, you know, part of the Predators. They're scrapping. They're the Predators. And just one hit down. And he, he had to be stretched off, I think, because he had the back of his head on the ice or something. No, I, he was fine. He got up later. I mean, I I, I have it in front of me. Oh, okay. Um, that was one of Tutu's fights where he, um, where um, I remember that guy had to be stretched off because he hit the back of his head on the ice. This makes me miss Matt Bradley. Yeah, I liked Matt Bradley a whole lot. You don't have to, Bruce Boudreaux during 24-7, you don't have to fight every night, man. That was Matt Hendricks. <laughs> that was Matt Hendricks, my bad. Yeah. <clears throat> I got the two confused. That's right. Number three, last week we called the Vancouver Canucks one of the, among the uh, worst-run teams in the league. And this past year at the trade deadline, when they had Dan Hamhuis, Redding Verbata, and uh, didn't they have someone else they could have moved to? May, those were the two big ones. I don't those know the if they were ones. trying to like move Edler. I don't, I don't know what his contract situation is off the top of my head. Well, nevertheless, they didn't move either of those guys. They're on expiring, expiring contracts. They're probably not going to renew Verbata. Uh, Hamhuis may stay out of guilt, but accurate. Uh, can you think of a better failure at the deadline to move an asset like that? Can no. You, can you think of a better, a, a bigger failure from a team that is in desperate need to sell, but the general manager just screws up? I, I guess the only one would be when uh, the Can- uh, sorry, not the Canucks, the Flames held on to Aginla for so long, but. I still don't think that that was as bad as of a failure as what they did as what the Canucks did this year. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is because you, with the Flames, you're talking about one player, you know, a a legendary Hall of Fame Team level player captain. that you know is needs to move on, needs to, needs to have an opportunity to really be competitive. Versus having a team with lots of really good pieces that have value that you could move and sell on and stock your team up for future work, future uh, rebuild, future whatever, 
and you just do nothing right, and you just you just have assets, and they're not going to be super excited about sticking around. I mean, there's this perception that Ham Hughes will just stay in, will just resign and just stay there. I don't think he will. Which is, I think, kind of an odd assumption, but he may. I mean, maybe he'll. He may. He, may, he, he, he um. He said he didn't want to go east because his family was all out west, and he's he's from that area. He wanted to go Talked east. About. He just did not want to go to anywhere that wasn't Washington or uh, like New York, because um, he, he wanted to go to the uh, contender. And the only places in the west that he wanted to go to were Dallas and Chicago. So that's why that's one of the reasons why it was so hard for he rejected, um, Boston. He rejected. That's right. Boston. He rejected. Pittsburgh. He rejected. But he said. Uh, that he'd go to Washington because, of course, he said yeah. that he'd, they'd go to uh, uh, New York because they could use, he'd have a lot of minutes there and they, you know, they can take them as far as Lundquist can take them. Uh, but he really wanted to go to either Dallas or Chicago. So that's where the problem was is that the, the uh, was it Jim Benning? Yeah. Uh, was so handcuffed that way that. Dallas and both Dallas and Chicago were trying to lowball him, and I get that he didn't want to give him up for peanuts. But at the same time, you have to negotiate as a general manager a respectable deal to get him out of there. Because why? Why hold on to him? And then the verbata thing just doesn't make any sense. Like I'm sure that there was someone somewhere who could use redeem verbata on their wing as a depth player, maybe third line option. He still got it though. He does. He's not having a great year, but again, he's playing with Bo Horvat and Sven Berchi as opposed to last year playing with the Sedin brothers. That's that's why his numbers are so down. The thing about the no trade clauses in the list, like you know, I I'll, I'll go to the following ten teams, and this that's the only places I can be traded. You have to imagine that every player in the league probably put Chicago on there. Even the guys for Chicago with no trade clauses probably have Chicago on their list of teams they allow to be traded to. It just seems like, yeah, I only want to go to the teams that are first in their division that have a history of winning Stanley. Like, I only want to go to Chicago or L.A. Well, it's like, yeah, of course that's the only places you want to go. Yeah, and it depends on what your uh, what your clause is because some people just like, okay, your list is eight teams that you will not go to yeah. anywhere else you don't have. Yeah, I know. I'm, um, I'm, and, yeah, and it, it does handcuff uh, general managers. But, I mean, you look at Steve Eiserman with the Martin St. Louis. He said, I'm only going to the Rangers. And you look at the deal that – Eiserman got back for that trade, and it was like it was phenomenal. It would have been a good trade no matter what, but the fact that he only had one partner to do that with, and he got that much back. And we all we've talked about Ryan Callahan being on the Shane Doan scale, mm-hmm. but Tampa fans love that guy. I'm New York fans love that guy. Yeah, uh, if uh, Stamkos does leave, he's probably going to be wearing a letter. Probably, I think Hedman should be the captain. Which was me. Number four, if the Blues uh, do not win the division or if they fail to get out of the second round, what are the odds that Ken Hitchcock is going to be fired? 110%? Yeah. I I could even say that if they don't win the, uh, if they don't get to the final. So that was my next follow-up is that uh, what does he have to do to save his job this year? He has to get into the final and honestly he has to win a Stanley Cup. Wow. Wow, he's doomed, isn't he then? He is doomed. (laughs) Well, he is old. I, I don't. Th- I mean, I, I. I'm not a Blues fan, but I don't think it was a smart decision for them to bring him back this year. I think that they, they could have gone out and got someone else. I feel that the Blues are kind of are, are waiting for the postseason to start before they show us anything. But at the same time, I think that this roster, some of the older guys who've been there for, like your Stastny's, who hasn't been in St. Louis a lot, but he's been around the league enough to know. And you have your Bacchuses and your guys that have and Bowmeisters that can see that. All right, we've reached our apex that we've with this particular coach we're going to go through the motions and still make the playoffs and we're going to play hard in the playoffs but i just don't think that they uh they have like a sixth gear 
I am, I am totally unable to hold the concept of Jay Bomeister being in on the St. Louis Blues and hold that concept in my head at the same time, those two things being true, unless I actually see him in the uniform, because outside of that, he just slips away. <laughs> like I can't like make them stay. It's so weird. This is the third or fourth time this week when someone's referenced Bomeister Blues. I'm like, that's right. He does play there. And St. Louis, I mean, if you look at their cap the situation, um, which David Back is kind of the heart and soul of the team, is uh, at UFA at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. UFA. He's only um, he's only getting paid four and a half million dollar cap hit. He's going to be due for a raise because free agent centers. Doesn't he want like seven million dollars? Uh, he rejected a deal that was six. Um, I think if you're St. Louis, you offer him six and a half just to keep him because you know he's he's David Backus. He's I, pretty consistent. I could see some team paying seven million for David Backus over the summer just because it's the free agent market. And he's a center. I don't know. There were there weren't a lot of those deals getting thrown around this this past year though. I think there people are starting to get a little bit smarter. I wouldn't rule it out. But you saw a lot of people who were like, oh, yeah, they're going to get paid, you know, $4 million, $5 million, and then they never got signed. Yeah, it's not like he's Daniel Winnick or some guy like that, right? Mm. Well, with with a player like Bacchus, I mean, what you saw with Thomas Vanek is that they gave him more money, but the term was shorter. I mean, same with Stastny. Stastny's going to be a UFA after uh, 2018. Mm. Daniel Winnick only makes $2.6 million. <laughs> anyway. I, I thought Daniel Winnick was a good pickup, so. Not a, I could get it a lot worse the trade deadline. Finally, number five, this is the question I've been wanting to ask you guys all week. Um, David Poyle spoke on three radio stations, talked to multiple outlets, hyping up, and I was actually I had the chance of actually seeing the narrative change over time that uh, it went from, uh, you know, we, we hope Jimmy Vesey's going to join us, and uh, we hope that uh, he's going to be part of our, our plan going forward. So the next afternoon, he did an interview on uh, on WNSR in the morning show, and it was the most relaxed David Poyle interview I've heard in a long time. I even posted on the website where he says, you know, oh, we know what we have coming in. You know, it, it's almost like something changed. Either that or he convinced himself that Jimmy Vesey's coming in. So, what's your take on this? Was this a good move by David Poyle to hype up the fact, the hype up that there's almost like this belief that he, he believes that Vesey's coming in, or do you think this is a bad move? I mean, basically, it shifts all the blame away from him and on to Jimmy VC. so if VC doesn't sign he looks like the bad guy in this situation I, I think it's all about ramping up the sales pitch I don't I, I really don't think anything's changed VZ is probably not going to make his make a final decision until it looks like he's going to get knocked out um, of you know when they get to the, the you know uh, NCAA playoff situation because uh, obviously if Harvard somehow makes a deep run it's going to be a long time before or much longer until he's available to the team. But I, I think it's all about the sales pitch. Uh, I'm sure there's more that's going on behind the ice. I mean, we, we all have heard the, the the interviews and the stories about how engaged the Predators are with VZ. So there, there's guys up in Boston um, at Harvard who are probably speaking to VZ with regularity. And I think it's all about salesmanship. And the reason that, that it's changed in tone is because it's time to change the sales pitch. Because you first you you know you're you're kind of generating the lead, and now you're trying to to really incubate it and move it along. From the trade deadline day to the day after the trade deadline day, the narrative switched from "We hope he joins us" to on the Tuesday, "We know what we have coming well, in." I just can't help but think maybe they, they were looking for the right deal on the trade deadline. They didn't find it for a left winger, and now they know they need to ramp up the conversation around VZ. I mean, there's that, but there's also the the 
possibility that he either talked with uh, VC's agent or he talked with VC Advi or something advisor. like that. It, yeah, advisor. Sorry, because he's not signed. He's in college right now and can't do that. But there's, you know, possibility that he spoke and they said, you know, this is where we're at and that maybe shed some light on a situation. I don't know how true that is, but that's definitely a possibility. And, and P, I, I know people listening to this show and, and commenters and, tw and, and Twitter folks will be like, well, you know, this is Ryan Sutter all over again. And it could be. I it just think it's, I, that's why that's why I think it's a sales pitch thing because there's still a lot of time. I think it's a much better pitch this year compared to last year. Where this year you can say, "Look, I don't know what line you're going to play on, but you're either going to be playing beside Ryan Johansson or Mike Fisher." You also have a degree from Harvard. You also have a degree so, from Harvard. So you have yeah. not cost the organization a dime developing your skills. Uh, anything else before we look at the schedule? Uh, I, I want to just very quickly bring up, and I, I don't know if you guys have any comments on this. But very excitingly this week, former Philadelphia Flyer, Zach Ronaldo, became a player both suspended at the NHL level <laughs> and suspended at the AHL level at the same time, which I didn't even know was possible. Yeah, that's that's impressive. I How mean, do they not honor the suspension? It's I'm, all part I'm of the excited. same governing I'm, body. I'm excited for, for Zach Ronaldo to get suspended at the ECHL level next <laughs> That's what I'm excited HL for. <laughs> Zach Ronaldo is suspended from the SPHL indefinitely. <laughs> He's uh, suspended from the now defunct IHL. <laughs> suspended from uh, from Vidyas Chekhov for disciplinary <laughs> reasons. I mean, it's unbelievable. How do you how do you pull it off? I mean, because he's the, not a hockey player. He the guy is is out of his mind. He's dangerous and a threat to other people. The fact that people that they that he, he was still traded was for an play. asset. He's playing for a third round. I mean, they got a the third Bruins round pick for him. Traded him. More they for him a third than the Rangers pick. traded for Magnus Helberg. <laughs> it's a third round, third pick. round pick. A third round pick. You know how the uh, blo like media blogs were saying? Well, you know, he scored. He scored three goals. You know, per, he was average about three goals per season for the Flyers. But he's got some good hands, and and you put him in in better position. So we're we're putting him down no. to eight to ten goals. And no. I'm just like, you read that, and you're like, no. They were picking eight to ten goals for the crazy guy who will murder people on the to ice to change the game. To change, yeah, to change the game. That those aren't those aren't my words. Those are his words. If if Zach Ronaldo plays another hockey game after his suspensions at the NHL and pending suspension at the NHL level is up, NHL and NHL. I would be horrified. I mean, how do you justify that? I'm just stunned that it actually happened because we'll see. You know, for soccer fans, we'll see a guy will get suspended at the uh, at the FA or like the the league level. But he won't be suspended for UEFA, like for a Champions League or for um, an FA Cup or something. So that the one league will spend it, but he can play in the other league because he's part of the same team. In this case, I have no answers. How is this? That, I, I, there are no I answers. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm just happy he's not on a team that some of us follow. Any of us follow I, I had anymore. a party yeah. when the Flyers shipped him out. And the fact they got a third round pick for it was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. What did the what, I mean? What did the Flyers do with the third round pick? Do we know? Draft another elite defenseman, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. They, just, they I, haven't used it yet, have you? It's for this coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's still just. Oh. <laughs> how does how does this happen? Uh, Predators this week they start off on Tuesday. They go to Winnipeg, uh, back to back. They go to Calgary the next night, and then Thursday off, Friday off, and they play Saturday at Vancouver. Does it feel like the Predators have played the Jets like fifty times this season? No, just every time it's been somewhat memorable. Like I couldn't tell you what happened. Like some of the, the there's the one infamous Jake Allen game. There's the game that Brian Elliott did pretty good. And there's the game they came back against Jake Allen. 
And then there was this last one. No, there, there was the dog baby after the... Okay, I did remember all five St. Louis games, but the the Winnipeg games are all pretty memorable. Um, uh, yeah, it does feel that way. I guess oh, it was all recently, too. Like yeah. All since the they, they played them like uh, two or three times within like a couple-week stretch, I think, a couple months ago. So this week, we, we talked about last week, 2-0-1-1, kind of our target line. The Predators are white hot on the road. They have this ridiculous point streak going on, on the road. I don't ex- I don't expect it to last forever. Having said that, these three teams are not trying to win a whole lot of games. They're basically playing driftwood <laughs> that's floating around out in the ocean. Well, Canada is sort of the ocean of, of the Americas. It is the ocean of despair right now. Yeah, for for, for playoff hopes. For playoff hopes, yeah. especially. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys have seen the the uh, ineffective math uh, graph of of Canadian chances in the playoffs. Yeah, is that? I mean, is it? Well, the Canadians are they the best chance? Or they're yeah. still six points out, I think. Yeah, so it's going to be some. I I don't know what happens to Canada if none of them make the playoffs. But you know, as far as what I think about the week coming ahead, I want to believe in the sweep. But I really just deep down feel two and one. I feel as though the Predators will, will drop a game against Edmonton in, in kind of a classic fashion. I would agree with that. Um, if they were doing like, you know, four games in five nights or four games in six nights or something like that, I could say three and one. But I just feel like because they're going out on the road because it's kind of spread out, two and one sounds about right. I'm going to go two all one one just for the sake of uh, of the point streak and Plus, none of these teams are particularly good. Which game does Hutton play, in your opinion? Which one's the back-to-back? Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. So you've got uh, at Winnipeg and then at Calgary. Calgary. Because um, Peter Laviolette always seems to play Rene first and then yeah. play Hutton after that. So I feel like that's what he's going to do. I, I think the Calgary, having Hutton play Calgary would be the better choice because then you're going to give Pekka a lot of days of rest. And Pekka can he needs to take the rest when he can get it, and so giving him uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then all of Saturday, kind of going up to the game time, it's a good amount of rest. Yeah. Well, it's the same amount of rest that he would get from a uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, going into Wednesday. Well, but it's extra. It's it's more than having to play Tuesday than Thursday than Saturday. Yeah, I would rather see him play against uh, Winnipeg actually, just because. We haven't seen Apex Pecorino the last couple of games. I'd rather see Hutton stay in a rhythm, but I'm okay as long as as long as we see Hutton at least one of these games, one of the, the two back-to-back games. I'm okay with that. All right. Uh, anything else before we close the book on this one? I'm s- so sad but so happy that Brooks Lake is no longer a capital. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough, man. He used to be my favorite non-Ovechkin player for the longest time, but that contract is just It was one so of those guilt bad. contracts. Like, uh, it was... It was not quite the Mike Fisher contract. It's just a loyal soul. I mean, people forget, and I even forget this at times, but how good of a player Brooks like was when he was good. I mean, he was a 20-goal scorer religiously, and then the lockout just injured him, and he couldn't recover back from that. And you know, the contract was expensive when he signed it, and it got even worse when he was only scoring one goal all season. He was part of that uh, that group that the Caps really marketed really hard uh, back in the mid-2000s, wasn't he? Uh, not quite. Um, that was more um, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Mike Green, and Alex Semin. Brooks-like was more of a kind of role-player type guy. Um, but he played on the second line a lot. He could jump into the uh, first line. He could jump down and uh, to the fourth line. He actually played defense for one game when they were like, really injured in 2010, 2011. Um, honestly, the... Uh, the 
way that DC was forlorn reminded me of when Barry Trotz was fired. Like that type of emotion was emitting from Brooks Like, which is weird for a role player. Hmm. But yeah, wish the guy nothing but the best. You think he's going to be the captain of the Leafs at some point? No, I don't think so. Because I mean, he's his contract's up at the end of uh, next season. He's only thirty-two. Yeah, but uh, watching him play, he does not have a whole lot left. Mm-hmm. He was having he was having trouble sticking around on a fourth line, um, and the one goal that he scored this year was by accident. It was a Dmitry Orlov point shot that hit him in the butt. <laughs> so the Doug Latt special. The Doug Latt special. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, I mean, I would be all for him trying to get a new contract if he gets it like you know a couple thousand dollars or whatever. But I I have a hard time seeing him play the past couple years, saying that he's definitely going to get signed. Gotcha. Link, you got anything to add before we uh, close this one up? No. No. Let's all just keep uh, poor Zach Ramaldo in our in our <laughs> thoughts. I'm sorry. I, I will can... forget about him as soon as we sign off. One of my favorite things about doing this show is getting is getting the Zach Ram- the, the updates of Zach Ronaldo from I, you. I, I, is, it is it's, correctly it's, referred to as Zach Ramaldo. Yeah. Remember that. Ramaldo. Ramaldo. Spelled R E M A L D O. It varies depending <laughs> on who's spelling it. Um, Brasby hockey. Varies a little bit. Uh, honestly, that's one of my favorite favorite segments. It, it almost deserves its own music at this point. We can debate on what music it'll be later after the fact. You can follow him on Twitter at 3DLink. You can follow John on Twitter at jgarcia36. You can follow myself at Dan D. Bradley. You can follow the show at on the forecheck. Uh, everyone have a good week. Back to you next week, and uh, talk to you then. Don't lose.